Hello, and thank you for joining us for this very special episode of Cinephiles Digest. My name is Matt, and the featured reviews for this episode, episode 121, it's the two movies that have saved cinema, everybody. It's Barbie and Oppenheimer, a.k.a. the Barbenheimer double feature. Can't wait to get into it. This is going to be a fun episode. But before we talk movies, let me introduce my co-hosts. Travis, welcome back to the show. Hello, Matthew. Very excited to talk about, well, yeah, the probably the second biggest, most important episode of the year. The Calendar second year. biggest? Yeah. Best of is always the... the oh, of course. Of course. Yeah, that's, that's true. I forgot about that. Even though we record that in the following year. Right. But still, both years is the biggest episode, before and after. Oh, yeah. And Paris, welcome to the show. Hi. All right. So before we get into our reviews, I don't want to dilly-dally too much. Maybe dilly a little bit. Definitely not dally. So is there anything pressing that we need to talk about before we get into our reviews, any stories, any news, any huge yes. life events that have occurred. Paris, floor is yours. Mine is not a huge life event, but rather my experience when I went and saw Oppenheimer. And it's very quick and short. I saw it in a 70 millimeter, but in a regular theater. And we got there like with moments to spare. Like our Pledge of Allegiance from Nicole Kidman had like just ended. It was... Or maybe it had just it had just begun. Anyway, we're walking up to our seats, and I'm looking. And I'm looking down, looking at my phone, has the tickets on it. Looking back up, and I'm like, oh, someone's in our seats, and it's these two, this old couple, <laughs> and I'm like, oh no. And so I walk up and I say, hey, I think you're in our seats, and they say, no, this is row seventeen. And I was like, um, no, this is row N. Yes. (laughs) And they were like, what are you talking about? And I like show them my phone, which has the tickets on it. And I was like, see here, these two seats. You can see the the row letters on the floor here. And then the numbers are on the chair. And they were like, what? What? And I was like, "Uh, if you show me your tickets, I can maybe help you. They were like, this is outrageous. Like truly did not understand and then i looked and i was like oh y'all are in the same seats but in row c they're like where is that and i was like it's at the front that's three <laughs> is the third out. letter of the alphabet <laughs> yeah. if you remember, like uh, first like time. we were like like we were on the far edge but we were like very perfectly like in the middle of the theater like it was great seats and i was like oh yeah um that's like the third row from the front i felt really bad but they but like get the fuck out of our seats also Yes. Do not feel bad. That is literally... Haley gives me so much shit because I hate showing up late to movies. And it's not because I care about like trailers. It's because I have an irrational fear of that exact thing happening. Oh it's not really God. irrational. Like, and it having has to happened. interact It has with happened before. Not That's even your that, motive, like... though, Matt, is to make sure someone doesn't sit in your seat before well, you arrive. It's... Okay. So it's because I don't want to show up while the movie's going on and the lights have been, you know, you know, oh, dimmed yeah. down, don't the movie's starting, it's and then nightmare. you have to, like, interact. Like, I just, because I know when that happens, 
when I'm, you know, to other people, I get pissed at the other people for being in the wrong seats. You know what I mean? Just like the experience is just ruined for everyone. I'd rather totally. not experience that ever. So <laughs> I am sorry to hear that you had to go. That's through a that public service. Traumatic experience, Paris, but <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And, and honestly, the only reason we were late was two things. The person picking me up, even though I said traffic's been bad this week, make sure you give yourself extra time. They did not. And then, um, yeah, you tell them Paris. I, yeah. <laughs> and then when we, and then when we got concessions, it took, oh, I think no. I timed it, it took like almost 15 minutes to get our concessions because it was Barbenheimer's opening, like early screening Thursday. So it was crazy and they were very like understaffed running behind. Yes. They're not prepared for this weekend. <laughs> Or this, these releases. I don't yeah, think I any was... of the theaters were like truly prepared for how <laughs> no. crazy it was going to be. I haven't seen theaters that crowded maybe ever, if being honest. It was right. insane. Like, my screening of Oppenheimer was sold out. And as I told you guys, when I walked in the ladies' bathroom, I was like, oh, I am the only one in here not wearing hot pink. Yeah. Lots of people dressing up. Um, real quick before we move on from it too much, I just need to, uh, mention that I take issue with the whole Nicole Kidman fucking national anthem thing. Like I saw people, (laughs) like I saw someone go viral that they like went into a theater and somebody was like handing out pieces of paper that said the AMC national anthem, please stand for the national anthem. And I'm like, I fucking hate that shit. Like the ironic movie going thing has gone too far. Honestly, the people not it's ironic a, for me. The Venn, okay, so exactly what my point. The Venn diagram of people who love the Nicole Kidman AMC thing and people who love the room, it's a circle. Oh my god, right. <laughs> got him, got him. Just it's not. That's not no. a got him. That's not an insult. That's no just, disturbances you're just in you're the just theater. Two ever. facts about me. <laughs> no exceptions. No disturbances. That is disturbing. A disturbance and disturbing. And I well, do not I don't it. stand up and I would never pass around something like that. But I do very quietly and very aggressively whisper it into the ear of whoever I'm seeing the movie with. And they always hate it. Yes. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of with Matt a little bit. Matt went a different angle with it. But for me, it's just like. We saw the Nicole Kidman thing, we reacted to it, and we moved on. But people are still, like, making a meme out of it, and you guys I mean, there's people on. who haven't seen a movie since pre-pandemic, you know? Like, we're not in that category, Those obviously. Those are not my people. <laughs> right, but that's why I'm saying, like, I think that's why it's still a thing, because people are still discovering it. No, those people... The people who are familiar with the meme are not the people who this is their first movie since the pandemic. The people who know that are terminally online annoying people. Yeah. Are the ones Are you talking who love about yourself? Nicole Kidman thing. I may be terminally online. People, online, people in Matt's And I may circle. be annoying, but <laughs> I do not love Matt, you've just described two thirds of the people that are talking a, right now. It's a like large faint circle, but it is it is Matt's circle online. <laughs> Listen, I just don't condone it. It's bad enough that every time I go to a Regal movie, I have to hear Haley lean over and go, Hey, you guys, oh, every time. <laughs> it does kind of Ew, make me why? laugh. why? It's, 
Well, that's the Regal version. Regal has like a. The, Regal's is way better though. If if we want to, I kind of like the Regal one. I just don't oh, yeah. like saying the lines. But Haley knows that I. My favorite part is the "Hey, you guys," and she always <laughs> leans over and says it, and I'm like, "I'm gonna murder you." But do you even know what movie endearing. that's from? No, <laughs> the Neither Goonies. Do I. <laughs> Wait, are you guys serious? It's from the Goonies. Hey, is that what it is? Yeah, it's the. It's the person, like the person that has sloth? a physical deformity. Yeah, it's sloth. Does he, Travis? The you're Goonies? the resident I, Goonies dude, historian. I mean, no, I'm not. But the <laughs> screening we had at Farmers was legendary. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was honestly the movie hit that night. But you don't know. That doesn't ring a bell. No, it doesn't ring a bell. Come on, my, my Blu-ray copy with the Goonies board game is still sealed oh my <laughs> on my shelf. <laughs> so you're clearly not cramming the rewatches in like you should be. Is what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. I don't know it as well as I should, but it is a banger. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So that was uh, Paris's. Oppenheimer experience. There's been a lot of just unruly stories, like audience stories coming out over the last couple of weeks, like people on their phones, people having full on conversations. I think people just forgot how to like be around other humans in a public setting because of the pandemic. Oh yeah. The other thing was when I saw Oppenheimer, the two younger fellows next to me had their phones out and I was like, and we got there, like, not long before the movie started, so I was like, put your fucking phones away. And then, this guy had his phone bright-ass screen, full brightness, when the movie had fucking started, and I was like, ooh, I'm gonna murder this man. And then he took a picture of the quote that's at the beginning. Oh, the, and I was, the thing about Prometheus. Prometheus. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, put your fucking phone away. And then he did, mostly, but it, like, periodically throughout the movie went off, so, like, Maybe it wasn't the optimal viewing experience. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of that even in my screenings too, just people on their phones. I don't, do they just think that people behind them can't see their phones? Like, are people really that fucking... I dim? just don't think people care. Yeah. I, I think they view it as just, like, it's not an issue, even though it does bother others. Even though they play a whole fucking, like, three-minute yeah. <laughs> thing before I don't know, the movie. People are pretty inconsiderate. <laughs> be a hero. Don't be a villain. Like, do they need to just come out and just be like, fuck you if you pull your yeah. phone out? Like, what do they need to do Literally, for it yes. to, like, stick for people? I don't know. But, yeah. A little annoying. But it wasn't a big deal for either of uh, my experiences. Honestly, people were pretty stoked to be at the movies. It was my experience in both cases. Like... Not very many uh, unruly audience members. People were mostly attentive. Like, I mean, we can talk more about it when we actually get into the reviews, but movies are back, baby. It's huge. Temporarily. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. People are trying to make Saw Patrol a thing. Have you seen that yet? I've Yeah, I've heard the... <laughs> yeah, talk about criminally online. That's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm not seeing a fucking Paw Patrol movie. Not gonna happen. All cops are bastards, including the fuck what Chase from uh, Paw Patrol. Agreed. All right, uh, Travis. What about you? You got anything? Uh, no, not really. 
No, nothing worthy. <laughs> I mean, I went to Chicago and Michigan last weekend, but mostly just to hang with friends. It was like a uh, little road trip, lake house weekend type hangout. Mostly just popping bottles, beer oh, yeah. bottles, that is. We did play Beer Olympics. It was Survivor Edition. That was pretty fun. So you weren't straight up playing Survivor. That's what I assumed when I saw pictures of like the Survivor. It was like and... Survivor meets Beer Olympics. Okay. What are the what are, are there like different events in Beer Olympics? Sorry, I didn't go to a fraternity, so uh, I'm not familiar with the uh, the Beer Olympics. Rage Cage was one of the games, if you're familiar with that. Nope. Yep. It involves <laughs> balls and cups. Don't they all? Uh, most of them do. And then one of the games was like a beer pong slash flip cup mix kind of kind of deal. It was like so a survivor two, two part game. No, it was a little different though. You had to do the flip cup part, and then you had to make one of your team's cups of the beer pong match that was going on among amongst the two teams. Oh, I see. Like a relay type thing. Like someone's doing the beer pong and well, you had to someone's... you each person would have to do like part A and part B, and then the next person would go. I see. Okay, yeah. but we did play one non-cup ball game, and it was um, you like spun around five times on a golf club, like your head on a golf club, you know, yeah, and then yeah. um run to the lake, fill up your sponge with water, run back to the, your bucket, and then try and fill your bucket with the sponge water. And that's where things got a little heated. <laughs> <laughs> Testosterone was flying. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, no, the, the other team was just being a little annoying, so I had to check them a little. Were you on the winning team in this uh, scenario? Well, it depends on who you ask and how many fucking redos we had to do. It was... Oh my god, <laughs> redos! Get out yeah, of town. Yeah, yeah. That was part of my rage. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I get, I get the integrity of the game and everything, but fucking redos! Get out of here. That's uh, funny, but it, it was a good good week. time. Nice. Oh yeah, lots of traveling for. Like a short stint of mm-hmm. fun, but overall, I'd say it's worth it. Cool. It, it was worth it. Glad you had a good time. Um, all I'll talk about is I went to uh, the Gorge over this last weekend, which, oh, yeah. uh, for those who aren't familiar, is uh, one of the like nationally most renowned like music venues in the country, just for like how fucking beautiful it is. Um. I hadn't been there since uh, we saw Tool, Travis, back in uh, 2017. Oh, yeah. It's the last time I had been there. Um, and, yeah, it was awesome. I saw I saw Boy Genius, Carly Rae Jepsen, and Illuminati Hotties. Went with Haley and a couple oh, of our friends. Lineup. Huge lineup. Ton of fun. No. No. Uh, is, he, is he? Or, no, he's a... Uh... Which artist? Oh, Kesha. He's, he's a, a Kesha stand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Trey's a big Kesha stand. He's got an autographed poster of Kesha on his fucking wall in his living room. <laughs> in his home that he owns as an adult. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, 
No, they he and Emily were gonna go, but someone had a soccer game. I don't I don't know. Soccer takes precedent, yeah, over uh seeing a killer show at the gorge. But anyway, it was Haley's first time, so she loved it. Um it was really hot, but you Did know, you stay like GA camping? No. 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 Never never again. Well, not necessarily never again, but uh we, we got a hotel in Wenatchee. Ah. And our our friends uh, had an Airbnb in Kashmir, which is like a little bit further than Wenatchee. So they just mm-hmm. picked us up on the way and dropped us off on the way back home. So beautiful. We didn't have to drive, so it was cool. But that beats camping at the gorge. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Highly recommended. The gorge. Check it out if you haven't been. Uh, that's that's really all I had going on since we last talked. I think we're ready. What do you guys think? been ready so ready all right well little bit of uh groundwork to set here probably should have had this conversation off air just to get it out of the way but i think because barbenheimer has been such a craze i think the people who listen to this probably won't listen to it if they haven't seen it yet most people who listen to this, I think, will have already seen both of the movies because we're coming, you know, a little over a week after they've been out. So I feel like we should just be just talk freely about both movies without concern for spoilers. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel. We don't have to do that. I just think it would make for a better conversation if we wow. do that. Just pulling the goalie right from the get-go, Matt. Just fuck it. And then if you haven't listened to the uh, – or if you haven't seen the movies yet, just come back after Again, I'm open to doing the normal, you know, do a spoiler-free thing and then a spoiler section, but I think we should just say fuck it and talk openly about both movies, but... Let's do it. Fuck it. So I'm going to talk about Oppenheimer during the Barbie review, then. (laughs) It's it's, it's the wild, wild west. We're talking... We're doing both reviews simultaneously, actually. This is Barbenheimer. It is Barbenheimer. Barbie and Oppenheimer. (laughs) Our bar, our Barbie review is subjective. Our Oppenheimer review is objective. Yes, fission fusion, absolutely. <laughs> no, I we you know, quick <laughs> quick kidding around, guys. <laughs> quick kidding around. Uh, we should you know, I don't want to take things too off the rails. So you know, we'll do Barbie first. But um, okay, well, glad we're all on the same page then. So let's uh, kick things off. We're gonna start things with a review of Barbie. So, plot synopsis, Barbie suffers a crisis that leads her to question her world and her existence. Film is directed by Geta Greywig, written by Geta Greywig and her partner Noah Baumbach. Film stars Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, Issa Rae, Kate McKinnon, America Ferreira, bunch of people. Pretty fun cast. Um, what did you guys think of Barbie? Anybody want to go first? If there's no volunteers, I mean, I can go. I'd like to I, go last. I'll go first. All right. Let's hear it, Travis. Uh, so, Barbie. Uh, I tried to avoid the the ads for this one as much as I could, and I think I was pretty successful with that. I don't so know how, it, bro. I fucking... Everywhere I turned my head, I was seeing something Barbie-related, but... Well, Matt, you're both deep you. in, in X and... The interwebs. Oh, love X. Big the X. The dark head. webs. 
the dark web. I get most of my movie news and reviews from the dark web, Ew, actually. You guys, we're not referring to Twitter as X now. Come on. Be fucking no, I know. real. It's a yoke. Come on. It was a bit. I haven't even uh, done the update even as a yet. Bit, so I still, have, so the, I still have the bird on my phone. And if oh. it forces me for it to become X, I'm, I'm just going to delete it. I'm fucking, I'm done with it. Anyways, I did not see the like 2001 teaser when it aired, but I did eventually see a trailer prior to seeing the movie that did kind of give me the gist of it. You know, you know, modern day trailers. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, with that said, I did really like Barbie. Didn't necessarily love it. Um, I really like the 2001 homage. Was not really uh, spoiled for me in the advertising. Um, I, I think the stuff that I like is pretty obvious and is probably what most people like about the movie. But where I detract from it a little bit is, and I'm not a story slash plot guy, but I do think the plot slash story in this movie was a little slight it felt like the movie cared more about the memes and the messages than telling like an interesting story the story felt pretty basic and familiar and then the last little uh mark i'll put against it is the the barbie world itself and just like the um the concept, I feel like it could have went a little further than it did. Maybe it was due to budget reasons, but I don't know. I feel like the the world of Barbie could have been explored a little bit more than it was. Hmm. Fair. Okay. Um, as for me, perfect movie. No notes. Um, I laughed harder than I've laughed uh, in a theater in a very long time. Um, Ryan Gosling gives one of his greatest performances and he is so fucking hilarious and we should cherish him, cherish him always. Um, I think what surprised me the most was just how funny it was. Like, not that I was expecting it to be, you know, like a bummer or like cringe or anything. Cause I, I think Greta Gerwig is an awesome, super talented filmmaker, but I really was taken aback by how much I laughed um, I think for it to be a movie about Barbie with all of the baggage that comes with that, all of the corporate overseer stuff that kind of looms over everything, I think the movie is subversive. I think it is its version of like feminist politics is about as radical as you could get in a PG 13, you know, hundred billion not billion 100 million marketing budget whatever was behind this fucking movie like i was kind of taken aback by just how like how many jabs were taken at mattel how many like side eye jokes there were just like i had a fucking blast watching this movie and i will disagree with you a little bit travis about the plot being slight um i the movie didn't go places that I thought it was going to go necessarily. I felt like I just gave myself over to the movie and each 
twist and turn, like every forward progression took me by surprise. I was just delighted by the whole thing, top to bottom. Everything about it, absolutely loved it. One of the best theater experiences I've had in a very long time. Movies are back, baby. Um, yeah. So, okay. Now that we've gotten the important perspectives out of the way, the men have spoken. Sorry. Have Paris, welcome uh, to the show. Um, no. <laughs> sorry, what was that, Paris? You unmuted to... Yeah, what? I said, I'm sorry. Have we got the most important opinions about this? <laughs> no, obviously, I'm very curious to hear what you thought about Barbara. Hey, Paris. you requested to go last, so mm-hmm. I think I that means I... we're about to hear some thoughts. Let's hear it. It's your turn. I did Paris. request to go last. I did not think that I was going to be slighted for it, as the <laughs> pretty much singular female voice, not just on this episode, but on this stupid uh, cum-filled show. So it's not a I love super you both. deep or diverse roster. We got love you both, but you know, <laughs> these have parts. To, uh, <laughs> not definitely not that. Um, I will start by saying all the things I loved about it. I loved the little comedy bits, like the little one-offs and the and the little singular jokes and even some of the like Easter egg jokes. So funny. I laughed out loud so many times. I will strongly disagree with you, Travis, that budget had anything to do with Barbie land because I thought it was perfect. Everything about Barbie land. I was obsessed with like the beginning of the movie where it is. We we rarely left that cul-de-sac. It wasn't as, grand as you think okay well we yeah, went to the right. beach and we went to the supreme <laughs> court we went to the beach and we went to the supreme court and we went to their dream houses and like is anything else important no um <laughs> but i really like the uncanniness and like the oddity and the weirdness at the beginning like when ken runs into the wave and it's like cardboard and how it's just very like tongue-in-cheek i loved 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 that and then i loved at the beginning how the characters were like this is silly this is fun and then they would spout off these things where you're like oh you're saying a lot of very like hyper intelligent theory that's interesting loved all of that now we'll get to the things i hated uh oh perfect movie according to matt (laughs) (laughs) not according to paris um i walked out of the theater extraordinarily disappointed in a couple things i will highly agree with travis the plot was thin thin spaghetti noodle thin it didn't even make sense it forgave men too much while also being such a shallow dive into feminist theory that and i met i know you said corporate overlords blah 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 but like come the fuck on if you're gonna be feminist be feminist you don't need you need to show don't tell like her like america frere's stupid ass monologue where she's just saying all the things that are shitty about being a woman like that that's nothing that's nothing like talk about hanging out in the shallow end of the pool and at the end Okay, sorry. I don't want to get into it too much yet. The other portion that I didn't like is I felt that while there was technically a very diverse cast in race and ethnicity, in body size, in, you know, 
other areas, gender, identity, etc. It felt very much like the way a Disney movie does diversity in that like <laughs> they're there to check a box, but they don't actually have relevance to the story and the main characters are too still uh able-bodied you know uh standard good-looking standard size white people you do bring up a a good point that is that's beyond just barbie though that's like modern day movies like the whole inclusion thing it's a huge issue i I have so a lot of modern some studios and people get it right but others it's like, okay, we're just going to like give all these different shapes, colors, and sizes, and then we look like we're inclusive, but like none of them really have anything to do other than like check a box. <laughs> exactly. And then the final thing is, on top of all the other, you know, the, the plot holes I mentioned earlier, one of the biggest plot holes to me is that Mattel is set up to the, be the bad guy, and there's supposedly in-jokes about Mattel. But nothing of that ever really resolves because this movie is from Mattel, right? Like, they couldn't be too harsh on them, which is fine. Well, but then don't pretend like you're poking fun at the business. Any jabs really at Mattel are just going to be recouped in dollars. like <laughs> Exactly. But even then, they didn't go very hard on Mattel. And it right. like, uh, turns I'm, yeah, out that... I'm just pointing out their image is not going to be tarnished from this movie, even though they were like the butt of the exactly if anything the the opposite i mean y'all have seen how they have decided that because this movie did so well they have like 32 other fucking spin-off projects from everything from polly pocket directed by lena dunham like oh man guys i cannot let's go (laughs) no cinema is back no i'm i know you're joking travis but like i truly it's truly horrendous to my soul come on matt i should no 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 no. listen greta gerwig creating barbie is like is like Robert J. Oppenheimer, you know, his initial ambitions were to pursue science. And then what were the consequences of that? The U.S. government dropping a bomb on uh, two cities in Japan. Lena Dunham directing a Polly Pocket movie is the bombs dropped on Japan. (laughs) And Barbie is... (laughs) The you know the unintended con well not necessarily unintended consequences the discovery we'll of the splitting it. of the atom is yeah, exactly Barbie is science um, Polly Pocket is genocide <laughs> I one hundred percent agree with that and I don't think it's Barbie's fault that Mattel yeah, yeah. you know I don't think it's the movie's fault that Mattel is of course. We live in a capitalist society. Like, of course, they're capitalizing on the momentum that they have on the money that if they can make money, like even at the end, the reason that the Mattel storyline is wrapped up is because America Ferrera says you should make a regular doll who's a mom or maybe not because women can be whatever, which was already the thing with Barbie. And then they're like, no, we're not going to do that. Then another guy goes, actually, that would make money. And then the guy goes, great, we'll do that. Like, that's the, like, that is Mattel in the movie. So, like, I really take offense when you say that, like, under their corporate overlords, they did what they could because they definitely did not. No, a different movie would not have made reference to Mattel 
one single time. I feel like it's have part, been It didn't joke. need to. I feel like it's it's like a have your cake and eat it too scenario. It is. Oh, 100%. It is. Like, to your point about it basically just working in favor of Mattel for their brand, like, 100%. It seems like they're in on the joke, and they're like, yeah, we're cool. You know, there's the joke about the boardroom <laughs> being all men, and, you know, they yeah, right. makes the joke. And, He's like, well, I have Jewish so, friends or whatever. Like, <laughs> Right. And isn't it so funny how at the end of the movie that totally changes and the company's, like, has women in it now? Oh, wait, that doesn't happen because the, at the end of this movie, literally nothing is resolved in Barbie world or the real world. Just, you know, Barbie apologizes to, to Ken and Ken doesn't even fucking apologize to Barbie. Come on, be fucking for real right now. Be for real. Listen, Paris, did you even watch the movie? Me and Travis are Kenuff, all right? I feel like I'm. You in need the to stop being so harsh on men, all right? I feel like I'm in, in the middle of both of you guys. Like, <laughs> I, uh, I, I agree with most of what Matt says, but then I also agree with a lot of what Paris is saying. Yeah, I well, just, and that's the thing. This isn't. I don't think this is a poorly made or a bad movie by any means. No. I just didn't enjoy it nearly as much as I thought it would, as I thought I would consider it, all things considered. And as much as and you wanted, to I feel like it, is the, for the record, you you weren't trying to like you know right. Be... Oh, I mean, the reason I love it isn't because it's too woke. I feel the opposite, obviously, based on my little tirade I just did. But I, I did want to love it. I, I agree with you. I though, thought in that I was going to love it. It does feel a little like obvious and like sure there's like a feminist angle to it, but like that's not really anything new in like the last decade or so. And like sure if you're gonna insert right. it in like a four quadrant Barbie movie that makes it a little better more important than like I can kind of get that but at the same time like this movie didn't really like surprise me in any way and like you know the path it took like it totally makes sense and it it ultimately works but I just don't don't know if it was like completely satisfying and the other thing is I I do want to give credit to the movie where credit's due this isn't a kids movie it's PG-13 but it felt like it's for women, like like girls, like 15 to 20. And for them, these might be new concepts. Now, I think a lot of Gen Z, Gen Alpha is a lot more like aware of those stuff than, you know, our generation is, was, were, or whatever at their <laughs> age. But I think, you know, sometimes that is a surface level way to get into feminist theory is still a way to get in it, that it's palatable to more people. And then you can get into like intersectional feminism and you can start reading bell hooks and you can really do a deep dive into what that actually means to not just have it be like white women centered, etc. But just because it wasn't for me doesn't mean I can't enjoy it. There's plenty of movies literally made for children that I absolutely love. And 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 I, that's that's I guess I want to I want to give the movie credit for that and also say like that didn't that that did take away some of my enjoyment. Listen, I'm uh, I'm I agree <laughs> with you Paris in that 
do I wish during the battle scene that all of the men would have killed each other and Barbie world, Barbie land would have just been like a, like intersectional feminist communist. I don't uh, think that's perfect world. Feminism. Yes. No, no, I'm that... saying, no, I know it's not. This, this movie is white feminism. The movie, like I understand that, but you can't, I don't know what you want the movie to do differently. Like what specifically I just, I, for what the amount of money that is thrown behind this thing, I think the movie is pretty subversive with what it's doing while still being, yes, it's white feminism 101. It's not radical at all. It's people like us have been talking about this shit for over a decade. Like, I get all the of thing that. Is yes. though, basic white level feminism has been talking talked about since the 60s. That's how not new this is you know what i mean like like talked about in a public setting where average joe could hear about it since the 60s that was but does it really need to be new or like groundbreaking on that level that's where i would push back a little bit does does it need to be no but because it wasn't it felt trite shallow uninteresting Matt is saying, "Be happy, or you know, be grateful for what you got." <laughs> that's not. Yeah, no, I feel like you are. Exactly Matt. You for. are. You totally are. I just, I'm just. Matt, let me speak curious. for you. <laughs> no, Matt, just... let me be your patriarch. I got this, Matt. Don't worry, Matt. Matt, I think we should all have like let Travis speak. He is. He is Knuff. Yes. And and we don't want to mess with his blonde fragility, okay? Oh that is God. fair. You mean I'm my sorry. bald fragility? <laughs> I mean, you said it. <laughs> Damn. Okay, I we all thought it. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> okay, I'll... actually, I wanted to make a comment because you said how much money the movie was thrown behind, and we kind of mentioned it earlier. I did Google did some Googling and uh, the marketing budget for Barbie was about $150 million. Yeah. So what was the production budget? Anyone got those numbers? Oh, I don't. I know also that the, uh, like a hundred, the worldwide, um, (laughs) the worldwide box office was, uh, 775 million and, uh, 352 of that was North America. A big, a huge part of that was the money that they put into marketing this movie right mm-hmm. i mean they did a, a fucking good on them for how well this movie was okay. marketed. <laughs> can we talk real quick about like this being a success though i'm not surprised by it being a success and obviously it's easy to say that now but like i don't know people being like surprised by how well this is doing like surprises me i'm not surprised that it has been successful i am surprised that the movie has been out for less than two weeks and it's already made almost a billion dollars worldwide. Yeah. I, I am mean, surprised I guess, by that. I guess it did catch fire in a way that people didn't really anticipate, but like if you didn't think this was going to be a big movie, I think you're just, you're not clued in. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, like anyone who thought it was going to bomb was... is crazy. Like <laughs> anyone could tell this was going to be the biggest movie of the summer. Just if they were chronically online, like the three of us are, um, because you couldn't avoid a trailer for it. Like Travis said, like I very specifically was like, I'm going to well, go like, see this movie. I don't want to see a trailer many, for it. I don't want to see anything about it. How many generations does Barbie touch, you know? Well, it was first developed in 1959. Is that correct? 
Yeah, so I like, think so. Pretty much the majority of the living generations, you know, grew up with Barbie. Yeah, I mean that's that's like sixty plus years, so I will say my screening specifically was mostly young people, like same twenty and under. Like there yeah. was a, I, it was a good same. mix, but it was a went, lot of young people. I went opening weekend Thursday night, and it was yeah a lot of like you know twenties thirties range. Yeah, I guess okay. So I'm. It's a it's a very small thing in the movie, but I think. What I found not most interesting about the movie, but like, okay, so there's a trans Barbie in this movie, right? The movie does not call any attention to it. She just gets to exist in the world and be beautiful with all the other Barbies and even gets a scene with Ryan Gosling where she just gets to like wear sunglasses and be like, oh, I'm not pretty enough today. And then Ken's like, oh my God, you're so beautiful or whatever. And, like, that's no attention is drawn to the fact that she's trans. Compare that with the people who are actively refusing to go see this movie for the sole fact, not the sole fact, but like, okay, so I'll, I'll speak from Ben Shapiro. Uh, personal life. Well, yeah, he had a whole 45. Don't even get me started on that fucking show. But um, so. Some people in Haley's family are very conservative. She has some family members who are refusing to go see this movie. They have young girls, mind you, like, you know, six, ten, just straight up refusing to take them to see the movie for the sole fact that there's a trans Barbie in it. So I didn't even that's know just there was once one in the movie until like after the movie was over. Right. So so like I, again, I it's just weird for someone to boycott a movie for like obviously they're doing some sort of research because <laughs> well they're not doing ben any Shapiro research. Show. They're well, just literally they're just watching Fox News, but like it's that simple. you don't have to dig very deep to find the program. answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously that's that's a very small part of the movie. She she has a very small part in the movie, but like. It's that brand of of feminism. It's like just let women be who they want to be, and yeah, you know, it's it's kind to a um kind to men at the end of it. But I think ultimately the message is just like you know there are good things about masculinity, patriarchy bad, masculinity you know there's nothing yeah, really anything I, bad I with did, it. You know, it's I like, did like that it shows pretty well how under a patriarchy it's not just women that suffer but men suffer also because they have to have this like machismo mojo dojo casa house vibe oh, you calling out alan <laughs> and no not even i'm just no i'm saying like it no, also like when ken goes like i don't even want this i didn't even like the patriarchy once i found out it wasn't the wasn't horses, horses that were running anything like that was so cute but also like i thought that was a really like good way to show and not tell as other parts of this movie do that patriarchal society you know, is is bad for everyone, not just women. Like, I, I loved that. I loved the overall messages of most of the movie. I just found, I found it really clever that Ken, Ryan Gosling Ken, goes into the real world and 
doesn't understand what patriarchy is. All he sees and observes is that men are having a real fucking good time <laughs> in the real world. And he just takes that back to Barbie land and he like starts dressing cool and like, you know, they have the scene where, um, does have like, a great outfit, that fur coat, that headband. Oh my God. And Woo-wee. the hat too. Yes. I mean, we could spend all day talking about Ryan Gosling and I feel like maybe we should, but before we do, I just think, you know, I like, yeah, that stuff is a little, I found it clever. Like you, you could say it's like trite or whatever, but I think the way that Greta Gerwig chooses to like portray the patriarchy and like representing that in this like doll world where no one really understand, like they're just mirroring what they're seeing I thought it was really clever and yeah, it might not be super deep, but it's deep enough that I think it's, you know, it sends a good message. And yeah, I know it's the cynical way to look at it is like, I mean, duh, this movie is not saying anything radical, but it's like, I feel like we might live in a bubble in that sense. There were people openly weeping and sobbing multiple times and it's like oh boohoo like all because america ferrera gives a monologue about you know how hard it is to be a woman like i get all of that i get the cynicism it just made me feel really like happy and like so excited to just see people came out to see the movie and love the movie and ultimately do i think that there's gonna be like some sort of like revolution or change in the culture as a result of this movie absolutely not but for you know a movie about a doll and kind of trying to like reclaim that for a new generation of you know men and women like i admire the movie a lot for that totally understand like why you had the reaction that you did paris like i'm I don't want to be like thanks Matt. come across like I'm like trying to like be contrarian or anything like I I that's, that's exactly why I wanted to hear your perspective on the movie I just you know I think I, we're all mostly in awesome. agreement it's just a matter yeah. of uh, maybe Paris and I went a little more and Matt was yeah I don't satisfied think... with what he got yeah I don't think you're being contrarian you just we just have different opinions um I think that the biggest revolution that I see coming from this movie is honestly going to be Halloween. There's going to be so many fucking <laughs> Barbies out there. I'm so excited. Your gal is getting on that train because when I went to go see Barbie, I realized I don't actually own any pink clothing. And I was pretty upset by that. And I feel like I'm not doing my ladies proud. So I plan on getting a bunch of hot pink shit to be Barbie for all the days of Halloween. Matt, let, let me guess real quick. The the thing that set you over the top with this movie was when you walked out of the theater, someone waved to you and said, hi, Barbie, and you felt seen. No, someone said, hi, Ken. <laughs> Honestly, Neither. considering it's Matt, they probably said, hi, Alan. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jesus. No, no one said that to me. I would. People were saying hi, Barbie, to each other, which I found adorable. Oh, that yeah. is super cute. And honestly, it was like, charming. as someone who's chronically online, I'm by far in the minority. Like most of the women I'm seeing online are like 
This was a transcendent experience. It was so emotional. One thing that we haven't quite talked about yet is the uh, sort of through line about mothers throughout the film. Like it is kind of sort of in this in this place where it's like a, a mom is something to be treasured, not you know walked over and our mother stood still so we could move forward and i didn't really resonate with that because my mom is a bitch and <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, <laughs> and <laughs> we are no contact now actually because of that uh off obviously because more of just her being you know a bad a mean person or whatever but i kind of was like oh that's cool. I guess I this is that was another moment where I was like, this is not for me. But that felt so not for me that it like took me out of it. And I was like, my mom didn't stand still. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I agree with you. I just think that stuff is there because the movie is it's trying to be as broad as possible without losing right. sight of its mission statement. So yeah, like when that stuff was happening, I was like, ah, eh. it's like, do I agree with all of the, you know, its views on the patriarchy and like, no, hundred percent. No, but was it cool to see it on a movie of this size and to see all these people coming together and laughing and crying and like, yeah, I thought it was really special. So I guess it felt I, cloying to me. And like try it and it just like I love a movie that evokes enough emotion to make me cry as you guys know but I just I appreciate that that was this for a lot of people and I think that that's awesome that it resonated with so many people and I'm so glad that a movie of this size was able to really have people. I, I've seen a lot of people, if you're talking about a revolution, I've seen a lot of people online that were like, I broke up with my boyfriend after this movie. And I think, you know, yes. props for that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, I have seen that too. I think it's it's easy for us to like approach the movie from that perspective. But like you said, there have been stories of like, people seeing this movie with their boyfriends and their boyfriends being like, what the fuck this is what the, what a man hating piece of shit. And then they're like, is that really what you took out of watching this movie? And then they break up. You know what I mean? It's just like, everything is so like heavily politicized and like everything is just on one end of the spectrum or the other. It's just so like polar opposites and antagonistic that it's like, you got to give the movie credit for like, I don't think the movie could have been allowed to go much further than it did. And I'm glad it wasn't some just like twee, like bullshit movie about like Barbie going on an yeah, adventure but without any of that stuff. Gonna make a of course. Twee movie. I never thought she well, would. I'm just saying it very easy problem. could have been that. And that's the problem is like, I think I expected more coming from her. Although I did realize what the America Ferreira monologue reminded me of. And it reminded me of mostly one, but there's two monologues in Little Women that I was just sitting there like, come on, we fucking get it. Like maybe this was relevant in the 1800s or whenever this is taking place. But like, like we have rights now. We're not property. Like it's fine. 
Like, and, and maybe that's <laughs> kind of what this feels like. It's not so much that it's a shallow dive into feminist theory, which it is, blah, blah, blah. But I think it sort of feels like old-fashioned feminism. Like, women should have the right to vote and hold office. Like, we, we do. Those aren't issues anymore. Well, I mean, there is... There's a there's a joke in the movie where they say it's like a, almost at the very end where they say something like uh, hopefully someday the men in Barbie land will have as much power as the women do in the real world now. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's I think you're giving it's, all things aren't equal very much. It's not presently like there's still a lot of ground to be made like <laughs> that is i know you fucking, know no that is you're welcome fucking... for mansplaining uh <laughs> women's first place in the all, world but first of all yeah fuck off second of all that is the fucking bumper sticker not all things are equal as such you know <laughs> which fair but you get what i'm saying right like that's to act as if in a nutshell <laughs> Not to act all as things if are things equal, are like yo things are peachy and like it's perfect Jesus for women right now it's, it's very Life much not that is <laughs> that is by no means what i'm saying i'm saying i'm saying the opposite i'm saying that this movie is addressing issues that aren't issues so much anymore not to say it's not also addressing like i like the cat culling scene for example was could could have been really good like when she's being catcalled and everyone's like yeah i respect you ken and when they go in the real world and they're in their rollerblading outfits which by the way we haven't quite talked enough about the costumes in this movie i forgot to mention them in my opener that was another thing i was obsessed with yeah it's perfect i mean it was pretty good yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, but anyway, like, like I liked that they included that because that's how a lot of women feel, like unsafe and objectified, just walking down the street, etc. But the fact that it was such an exorbitant amount immediately upon arriving in the real world felt ridiculous. And I know the movie is like everything's exaggerated, but that was where I felt like they could have made the point better by not being so ridiculous. Well, was, I think it was just trying to emphasize the whole like fish out of water element. Yeah, I had no problems with that. I feel like they kind of had to do that because the movie is paid. It's a pretty brisk pace that this movie has. Like they can't. Yeah, I, I don't I know how agree. else they could have done that. Like you. Yes, it wasn't exaggerated a hundred percent, but so were all of the elements of Barbie World that they had. But Barbie to do World that. Yeah, made sense of, to be I, exaggerated. But they're coming from the Barbie World, so to me, it makes sense that their I don't outfit know. would be exaggerated. It's, you know, no, 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 not their outfits. Way. Not I love their outfits. That's not what I was talking what, just about. Just the way they acted then, or. No, 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 not them. The way that she was catcalled on when she leaves Barbie World and is on Malibu Beach, there's like 30 men catcalling her. And I think you could have got the point across with three. Again, this isn't oh, a huge that's... sticking point. Like, I didn't mean to. Oh, sorry. But... I I took the wrong thing from that. But um, yeah, I guess I didn't really notice her. It didn't really bother me. 
Yeah, these are th the things that I'm mentioning are the parts that took me out of the movie. I would like to talk more about what I enjoyed about the movie, though, because I feel like I'm coming across super harsh and it's not like I hated it. I don't think you are necessarily. I mean, I think we all agree on what's good about it. It's just that you and I specifically have a couple bones to pick while Matt thinks it's perfect. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> That's truth, yeah. One, I, I know we probably have to wrap this up to move on to Oppenheimer soon, but I did want to mention that I thought it was really cool that, spoilers for Oppenheimer, I guess, um, Oppenheimer doesn't use any CGI at all, and Barbie uses very, very little. Like, they, like, the whole Barbie land was built on a soundstage and, like, all of their traveling from Barbie land to the real world was done, like, old movie techniques. And I think that Greta Gerwig's, like, sort of film nerd uh, references came across, like, in a lot of teeny tiny different ways. Like, I don't know if you guys have watched the Letterboxd interview she gave where she, like, named off every single, like, movie that's referenced in here. No, but it's but really I do I do want to watch that. It's great, um, and, and all the references are so good. Most of the movies I haven't seen, like, it's just a very, like, like, I love all of that. And I and I wanted to yeah, make sure I, I got that across. I also like the, the homages to just cinema in general. I mean, we already touched on the 2001 homage, but there's a Matrix homage with uh, Weird Barbie, where she holds up the heel and the Birkenstock. Yeah. Also, <laughs> so good. Um, in general, I just the movie's clearly like paying homage to like the like old school Technicolor musicals. So yeah, she's definitely flexing her uh, film nerd muscle a little bit with this one. Also, how much did you guys love Ken's musical number? Oh my oh. god, it was so good! I'm the obsessed. Twenty. <laughs> No, all uh, that too, but no, that the... one too. But I meant literally when he's like, "I'm just Ken, anywhere else I'd be a ten, something, <laughs> something, blonde fragility." It's out of like, a, it's out of a, uh, it's either sound of music or singing in the rain, like the, um, mm. like the colors, like the dance number where they're having the back and forth with uh, Simu Lu's. I don't know how to say that guy's name. Is it Simu Simu Lu? I've never tried to say it out loud. Does anyone know? Don't ask <sighs> confirmation. I just know the internet fucking hates that guy. That's all I know. But I've never tried to say his name. Wait, out why? Loud. Why? Because he he comes across like a total douchebag uh, in his like online persona. Oh, and there's a moment that went viral on the red car carpet where uh, uh, he put his arm around Ryan Gosling's waist on the red carpet, and he was like, "Dude." like don't do that and he like stopped he like talked to him on the red carpet and he stopped and then they were just, like standing by each other um, ryan gosling came out and said that that wasn't what that was it was just like taken out of context it was because ryan got that people were trying to get a photo of just ryan gosling oh i no, i know i know that he came out and said that i just mean that moment went viral and people were like people just hate the guy is what i'm saying that's so rude like why? well no he's got very questionable he, he said some very questionable well i don't know about a bad person but he he just seems Cancel. like he's very oblivious and okay, he has okay. said some well, questionable anyway, things in the past but. i looked up how his name is pronounced and according to youtube it's simu liu 
Okay, so I almost had it. I just didn't enunciate the I in his last name. Anyway, what the musical number you're talking about is when they have like the dueling. Um, it's a dueling musical number, right? Isn't that during like the battle sequence? Or are you talking about the one earlier in the movie, like the first musical number that happens with Ryan Gosling? Paris? Yeah, I don't remember. I'm trying to remember. I don't remember exactly when it was, like at what point it is in the movie, but I'm 98% sure it's before they go to the real world. Okay. Because there are several. Yeah. So that or there's that Thinking earlier specifically one. of I'm just Ken. <laughs> yeah. I'm yes. just Ken. And it doesn't help that it's a TikTok sound now, but it's like been stuck in my head all all fucking week. Yeah, it is very catchy. I also love the battle sequence on the beach. It's so good with like the suction cup bow and arrows and just like <laughs> the scale of that fight is just so silly and funny and i do have to say i was fucking cackling when i can't remember the specific line but it's when ryan gosling he's wearing sunglasses and he he gives some one-liner and then he puts on another pair of sunglasses over his so i cackle i fucking died that was so funny his whole performance is just 10 out of 10 it's a hilarious movie, but he definitely is is the highlight comedically. He's just a fucking he's a treasure. Speaking of scale, um, everything in Barbie Land is two thirds scale of what it would be um, to make it seem like you know how like I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. Uh, I'm assuming you didn't have Barbies when you were younger. We didn't really talk about that, but I um, played with Barbies with my sister, but I didn't yeah, own any. Uh, so you probably know own. how like the dolls scale to like their object scale was always like off. Like the yeah. brush was like the size of like two of their heads kind of thing, you know? And so I thought it was like great that like the interesting way that they played was scaled that way. Um, and the other thing is I wanted to ask, I forgot to ask like um, if you guys played with Barbies when you were younger. No, Spider-Man and Batman action figures for me, bud. I did, yeah, like I said, with my sister, but it was typically like a exchange of some sort. Like, we would mingle my wrestling guys with her Barbie figures, or like I would trade Barbie time for wrestling time. It was always like a transaction. <laughs> totally. That seems very sibling-y. <laughs> my sister had plenty of barbies but the age gap between me and my sister is seven years so by the time she was playing with barbies i was already jerking off you know yeah big time literally um, <laughs> so uh i never had that with the with the sibling or peers or anything um so i don't know how you know not that i was opposed to it but you know i probably would have been just thinking back on who i was as a kid you know, very, very heteronormative upbringing I had. So I probably would have been like, ew, Barbies are for girls. But I think that's the experience of a lot of, of a lot of people. Fewer nowadays, I, but still a lot of people. I definitely played with Barbies a lot when I was little. So much so that uh, my mom would explain how many, how much things cost in terms of <laughs> Barbies. Like she'd be like, Paris, if I wanted something, she'd be like, Paris, that's worth five Barbies. And I'd be like, whoa, that's really expensive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's a lot of Barbies awesome. that I could buy instead. Um, <laughs> but I did uh, cut off all of my Barbies hair 
when I cut off all of my hair in first grade and then hide it under the Classic. sink in both of my parents' separate house bathrooms. Um, and I don't know why I didn't just throw it away, but I thought that it would be seen if I had it in the trash and I didn't want anyone to know. Um, and then I remember <laughs> when my dad moved out of his apartment when I was like 13, he was like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, oh my God, that's Barbie hair that I hid under there <laughs> when I was little. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, that's oh, awesome. yeah. I also used to make. I also my Barbies were always naked and always having sex with each other. Oh, and yeah. I definitely traded my neighbor, the, my boy neighbor, for his male action figures so my Barbies could fuck. Could them. fuck. Even yeah. though Stone Cold was like one third the size of Barbie, he was going to pound town every time. Oh, you better oh. believe it. <laughs> that was the only reason to mix boy and girl. Barbies. He was he was fully clothed, but Barbie was naked, of course. Yeah, because she is a slut. <laughs> so the, while we're talking about, <laughs> do I want to say this? Yes. So <laughs> is it like the thing from Grandma's Boy? <laughs> no. Wait. Mm-hmm. What what thing from Grandma's Boy? Where he gets kicked out of his friend's house for masturbating. Because the guy's mom catches him masturbating to one of the Barbies? No, okay, no, no, not that. Um, So while we're talking about playing with dolls, during uh, tubby time, um, I had a, like, an aqua Spider-Man doll. So he had, like, webbed hands and feet, and he had a little raft. So in tubby time, I would make Spider-Man fight Darth Vader, I didn't have a Darth Vader action figure. Oh, God. If you catch my drift. Oh, no. Oh, no. Paris, oh, have no. you uh, connected the dots yet, or do I have to spell it out? Yeah, um, I don't know what, what color was Darth about. Vader's helmet? I don't know what tubby time is. I don't know what you're talking about. You I, can I, put two and two together, Paris. I cannot. I, I you, you know what tubby you, time is, and is you not, know no. who Darth Vader was in this story. You guys, You've actually met a... Darth Vader, Paris. So, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You're acquainted. <laughs> Okay, I hate the way you just said that. <laughs> Me too. Because <laughs> now I understand. Jesus Christ, that is so fucking gross. So we, you know, during tubby time, I would hang out and oh have battles. Oh my God, you mean in with... the bathtub? Yes, what yeah. else would tubby time be? Yeah. I don't know. What I told you I was literally I not mean, understanding. I, I was going to ask Matt to, ask. to elaborate, but then I just assumed it was <laughs> Bad <that>. time, yeah. <laughs> yes. Darth Vader ew, versus Spider-Man. Some ew, epic battles. Ew, Matt, I'm understanding what you said before now. With... Darth Vader is resilient. Darth Maul. Darth Maul. Not Darth Maul. Darth Vader. That would be horrible if it was Darth Maul. Are you kidding me? Okay, first of all, that's what I thought you said. And I was like, what the fuck? No, that would be horrific. Your dick is for my... red and black. <laughs> And spiky <laughs> horns and, on and his head with, with yellow eyes. <laughs> Thankfully, not. Dual lightsaber. Um. So yeah, that's that was my playtime. Thank you for sharing, Matt. <laughs> 
I really think we need to move on, you guys. Now, I have a couple closing thoughts. So, I don't know how to phrase this or how to put this, really, but I'm going to throw it out there. So, our boy, the gauze. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's starting to look his age a little bit. I, uh, you know, I'll never look as good as Ryan Gosling. His 70 is like me at 30, but um, I feel like he's like maybe 10 years too old for what Ken should be in this movie. I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you in one sense, but I disagree in that I don't think there's a person on the planet who could have done a better job. I agree. I also agree with that. I think this movie was like, you know, it would have been perfect for him 10 years ago. Yeah. Circumstances would have been better. Like, you know, it's, it's a little obvious what's, what's going on here. He, yeah, it, it didn't bother me. But he definitely is probably too old to be playing I mean, Ken. He's, but he's nine years older than Margot Robbie. That's substantial. But um, I don't know. It's just it's a little saddening that our boy is um, aging a bit. Because I mean, during like his drive era, we're talking perfect specimen. He's still a perfect specimen. He's just an older yes, but he's perfect aging. specimen. He's a perfect I, specimen with a couple wrinkles. It's just not doing him any favors because he's got to be clean shaven and like I mean that body does not look forty three years old. All right. I think I mean, the thing is, I no. think he is a very handsome man. Will be handsome till the day he dies. Oh yeah. I, I think that Ken, as a character looks like a twink and that's not really ryan gosling's vibe well it's even it's kind of like the the deal with brad pitt these days where like you're starting to see his age a bit and like it's just hard for me to like you know uh, accept that travis is having a hard time accepting his own age his own old age but i see it through the men (laughs) of cinema (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is travis's version of margot robbie saying do you guys ever think about dying <laughs> seeing travis's... old ryan gosling this is her, his version of that <laughs> this is travis's version of therapy he really wants us to talk about his <laughs> thoughts on getting older i couldn't really okay. pay attention to the movie all of my thoughts and attention were just on ryan gosling and death <laughs> Oh, what'd you guys think of the John Cena cameo? Mm, ten out of ten, amazing. Yes, no, agreed. not also. Amazing. Fun story about why it happened. They were filming Fast X in the soundstage across from them, and a lot of the people from Fast and Furious would come over to the Barbie movie and like watch and stuff because it seemed really fun. And Margot Robbie, Mar- Margot Robbie, and John Cena knew each other they'd met previously and he was like can i be in this movie and she was like hell fucking yes you can so that's where his cameo came from that was perfect also had not considered this until just now but can you imagine recasting michael Sarah as alan with vin diesel how huge that would have been no it's fucking crickets, Jesus. All right. <laughs> not even as a gag, <laughs> my guy. Like, I think they'd be like, pretty funny. Not even as a gag. <laughs> not even as a bit. 
I did like Michael Sarah in that role a lot. Um, not crazy about the Alan character. It was I mean, a it was fun funny, little but... bit, you know. I loved Alan. And don't, don't think too if, hard about it. <laughs> if we're talking about representation, a lot of, from what I've seen online, a lot of gay men and non-binary people have been talking about Alan as a representative. Non-binary people say there are two wolves inside you. You know, you have an Alan and a weird Barbie, you know, like, <laughs> and, and I, and I love that. And so I think Alan is, is more important from that perspective. Yeah. And unlike some of the other quote unquote representation, he actually like plays a part in the film, in the story. Yes, and he did. There's some good laughs that they get out of uh, his interactions with other characters. And I just love my. I love seeing Michael Sarah. We don't see enough of him these days. Agreed. So that was awesome. Agreed. Okay, we should wrap things up. Uh, any any closing thoughts on Barbie before we give star ratings? Uh, I will just say real quick that you know once the the pink dust settles, I'm excited to see it again and maybe go up on it a bit. We'll see. But I think uh, Paris and I had some uh, just criticisms. Mm-hmm. I would like to say I agree with Travis that I think I really want to rewatch this. And I think it'll go up on a rewatch now that my expectations have shifted a bit. I also want to say that I am, in fact, a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. But life is not fantastic. And I wish it was made more of plastic. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, perfect movie. Five out of five. That's where I'm still at. All right. Star ratings. Travis, go ahead. Uh, I will go four stars on this one. Oh. That's generous, Matt. I was going to say 3.5. So. Oh. And that's right where I am. 3.5 stars. <laughs> I, I, I've said all that needs to be said. I think that when I first walked out, I was like, ooh, this is a three top movie. And then I did a quick, like, look at the rest of movies of the year and what I'd rated. And I was like, well, it's better than that movie. It's better than that movie. So I was like, okay, 3.5 seems appropriate. All right. uh, can, can we just, can I say one thing, but no one reacts to it and we just move on? Yes. I uh, can't guarantee that, but Lego on. movie did it better. Boom. Okay. Not now. Whoa. <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, okay. Here's the thing. That's why I asked. Travis. Before Travis. Here's the thing. I agree with you, but I don't like that it was said. Yeah, I know. <laughs> did it first. How about did it first? <laughs> not okay. even though. I mean, it's not the first. Uh, did what first? Well, made, made a, about a toy, a movie, a toy into a move, a full length. Did whatever Barbie was that, trying to do. Th- asterisks that featured Will Ferrell as a CEO slash he's definite president CEO in this movie. Obviously, come on. True. They're the they're in the same uncanny. universe. They're in the same universe. He's the same person as the guy in the Lego movie. That's why he's so into toys because he works at Mattel. The movie did have a bit of an elf vibe. Now that you bring it up. There's could also elf. be grown up elf. I could see that as well. <laughs> Okay, that's going to do it for Barbie. Let's uh, go ahead and move on to part two of the double feature. 
do we need to take a pee break anything are we good mm-hmm. how are we feeling I definitely need to pee. Yeah, I'm gonna pee my pants. So okay, yeah. <laughs> let's take a quick let's take a quick break. We will reconvene right. uh, in a moment. All right, we are back. Let's move on to our second featured review of the show. We're talking Oppenheimer. Film is written and directed by Christopher Nolan. Plot synopsis, the story of American scientist J. Robert Oppenheimer and his role in the development of the atomic bomb film stars every white man and two women it's huge huge cast stacked top to bottom with all your favorite white dudes plus two women i don't like your tone Um, travis you (laughs) volunteered to go first on this one wait are you really not gonna say anyone that's in it like not even cillian murphy uh, it's Killian, Killian Murphy. Thank You're you Killian, much. my vibe, Matt. You're killing me. <laughs> uh, Killian Murphy, uh, Kimberly Blunt, Matt Damon, uh, Key Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> um, who else is in here? Alden Ehrenreich, our boy from Star Wars. Uh, Jason Clark, fucking love that. Your dude. boy. <laughs> Your boy. Um, <laughs> Kenneth Branagh is here. One uh, of the Softy brothers. Yes, one oh, of the yeah. Softy brothers doing a fucking terrible Russian accent, oh, even though he's Austrian. He um, fucking uh, <laughs> sexual abuser Casey Affleck, everybody, oh, making his triumphant no. return. I mean, just a stack. I, I, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I was surprised. We haven't gone into it, but I was surprised to see him. I felt like maybe did he need to be in this? Come know. on, he's Nolan's boy. Is he? What else has yeah. he been in? Interstellar. Oh, Barely. Yeah, like yeah. for a second. <laughs> and he's only in this for like a second too, but sheesh. Yeah. Casey yeah. Affleck is a great actor. I will say that. He, yeah. Sexual abuser and great actor. They're not, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. Great sexual abuser. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, this, you know. This is, oh, it's that guy. The movie, uh, basically, from start to finish. Travis, kick, kick things off for us here. What did you think of uh, Oppenheimer? You're the resident Nolan stan on the podcast. Um, so hype, hype was huge. Yeah, what we did can, you think? We can kick that can around a little bit just because uh, <laughs> I don't think I'm necessarily the resident Nolan guy. I love Nolan. But I just had a huge heart on for Dunkirk, and Dunkirk was at a prominent time of this podcast. I do love Nolan. If he made my uh, Mount Rushmore of directors, he would be Fringe. He'd be the fourth slot or Vine for one of those slots. It all depends if we uh, consider the Safties as one or two slots on the... Oh, my God. <laughs> They're one slot. Come on. A two-face type situation. Two half, half Josh, half Ben. Yeah. Bro, one, I can't one even... Gets, what is... One gets the front, one gets the back of Mount Rushmore as yeah. the butt. Yeah. I couldn't like tell you what Josh... Like a cat-dog situation. Yes, exactly. I couldn't tell you what Josh Safty looks like. Really? Uh, fucking Benny apparently has given up on being a director. He's just in fucking every movie now. He's the character actor, character actor of our century. <laughs> Couldn't tell you what Josh looks like, but oh, Josh looks like a little Jewish New York boy. <laughs> that that could mean a lot of things. Uh, I still I'm no closer to knowing what Josh Safty looks like. Well, 
Uh, I mean, I'll just say that he's probably best behind the camera. <laughs> he's got a face for radio. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no offense. That's man. that's just... rich coming from two <laughs> podcast hosts. You fucking jabronis. Listen. Hey, he's my boy. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all good fun between friends. Yeah, but literally a face for radio. I mean, come on. There's a reason yeah, why know. this isn't on YouTube. I don't know what it looks like. No, the reason is because that's too much work for me is why it's yeah, not exactly. on YouTube. It's not because the world doesn't want to see my face or I don't want the world to see my face. Okay, It's just, you know, it's all work. Logistics. <laughs> yeah, logistics. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So Oppenheimer, Nolan, my viewing experience. Saw it uh, Sunday night in the proper format downtown seattle and um i will say expectations were high but it did not disappoint Um, is this a favorite movie or favorite nolan no but could you argue that this is potentially best nolan yes hmm we got a favorite versus best scenario on our hands here. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to say it's, you know, the best movie of the century or one of the best movies of the century yet. Um, but yeah, I guess what I'm getting at is I did really like Oppenheimer, but I feel like I appreciate its craft more than like I do enjoy just watching it, if that makes sense. Like it's. I definitely want to revisit it, but I can't really see myself champion. This is like a favorite movie of mine or like wanting to revisit it. But I think like what it's going for and just like the outline and scope of it, all of that is great. And I think we'll reward reward repeat viewings um, just because there's a lot of story going on and it is three hours long, but it does kind of blow by you just um all the details and facts of the movie and the the period it portrays. But um, yeah, the highs were really high. The, um, like I love the, the spectacle bits were few and far between, but I think they really did hit. And um, it's uh, just a lot of uh, good acting, storytelling, editing, all, uh, balled up in one Sweet. so yeah that's my general thought um so I, I i like nolan a lot in fact tenant uh well people who listen to the show will know was my uh favorite film of the year of our lord 2020 um but i was not super like stoked for this one um, just based on the trailers and just the subject matter, I was a bit of a cynic regarding how Nolan would handle this subject material. I will say I was simultaneously pleasantly surprised and a bit disappointed. I think there are flashes of absolute brilliance in this movie. I think my favorite scene in all of Christopher Nolan's filmography is from this movie. 
However, I did feel it was a bit. It was a bit, (laughs) a bit tedious to watch at times. Are you going to elaborate on that thought, Matt? I will later. Okay. And I think the way that it handles its female characters is uh, embarrassing (laughs) and uh, kind of atrocious. If I'm being honest, it was like laughable how stupid and like poorly written the two central female characters are in the film. Like Nolan has a track record for not writing women very well into his screenplays. This is the worst example of that. Um, However, a career defining performance from Killian Murphy. I think he's, he's incredible in the movie. I think the supporting cast for the most part is excellent. I was not a fan of Benny Softy's terrible accent. I also didn't love Robert Downey Jr. in this movie. Um, what? Not a huge fan. There were moments that he was great, but so, I just, I don't know. Well, something why did you, about why him did you like Benny Safdie? Just the fact that you know he's not of that, like, descent, so the accent is glaring in that sense? Because, or... like, obviously you can tell he's, like, playing a character and playing up his voice but like and i guess it could be distracting in that sense just because you know who it is and know that they don't have that accent but i don't think he was bad it i i thought it was bad i thought the axe it felt like like cartoonish. he was tr- yes it was cartoony it felt like he was putting on an accent that didn't well i just feel as... like you shouldn't cast that actor then if you want to like try and accurately portray someone with that accent right it's not i don't have an issue with like oh because anyone putting on an accent immediately you could just make that criticism if i mean plenty of actors put on accents all the time literally murphy Murphy is putting on an accent (laughs) is doing an american accent and you wouldn't know you wouldn't know that he is right but the american accent sounds normal to you because you're american where the like Polish or German act or whatever accent his character was exactly that whatever accent you. that sounds off to you though because you're not of that descent. No, I know what Austrian people sound like. Isn't he supposed to be like Hungarian Austrian or something? I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be Hungarian, right? I think you're right. Yeah, I think it's Hungarian. I, I don't know if you've listened to what people from Hungary sound like, but all the they time, don't sound yeah. like that. All the time. Yeah, all my audio. My favorite podcast. Hungarian narrators. (laughs) Get real. (laughs) It just felt like he was putting on a performance to me. I I I wouldn't go as far as calling it bad. It was very much a performance. Yes. Yeah. It's unfair to call it bad. I was just distracted by him. Uh, It was distracting for me as well. But I mean, I claim at least you know. Half of the Safdie brothers, or yeah, the Safdie brothers are, you know, some of my favorite working or new directors. So, like, in that sense, it's obviously, like, you know, glaring to me. But I just, I don't think it was bad. It was, like, obvious, but it wasn't bad. Yeah. Like, it drew attention to itself. But, like, you could say that about any American doing an accent that is non-American. It's not. Ju- it's not just the accent, though. It just. It just felt like not. 
I don't know how else to describe it other than I felt like he was trying too hard, I guess is what I'm saying. He's, he was still better than Dane DeHaan, so. I honestly, you know I'm not a <laughs> DeHaan guy. <laughs> I am uh, not. I am not. <laughs> I'm not actively opposed to Dane DeHaan. He, again, didn't stand out one way or the other for me. He was just kind of there. Dane DeHaan was fine, but that guy did um, single-handedly um, reserve... What was that uh, sci-fi movie, Valerian? He, he's the reason Valerian <laughs> is a four-and-a-half-star movie, exactly. not a five-star movie. Exactly. That's yeah. what I'm getting at. 100% agreed. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyway, so I, generally speaking, I thought the cast is very strong. Uh, it's, a, it's a deep roster. Standouts for me um, would be Killian Murphy, and we've already talked about him, even though it's a very brief scene, but I did think Casey Affleck's one scene was like very sinister and like made me very uncomfy and i thought was was a a good turn for uh, how little screen time he got total piece of shit dude but you know he gave a he gave a good performance in the film um i think the movie has issues with pacing so the trinity scene happens about 2 hours into the film and then the whole last hour is mostly just playing out in the form of two like court proceedings and also just trying to wrestle with like the moral dilemma of what Oppenheimer went through. But I didn't find any of that particularly interesting or riveting. So overall it's a movie that I'm quite positive on. Um, but it's like mid Christopher Nolan for me. It's lacking the spectacle that I like to see in his movies. I'm happy to report that it has the fewest amount of like cringe dialogue lines, but that's also the fact that it's just rooted in, in history, I guess. But overall, liked it a lot. Did I love it? No. All right, Paris. You're up. Okay. So... I would like to start off by saying that I fucking loved this movie. And then I would like to add that I actually saw it in the uh, how it's meant to be seen. Whereas Travis, his first viewing was IMAX laser. My first viewing was non IMAX 70 millimeter. And per the editor of the film, that's a better viewing. So just want to get that out of the way, first of all. I think that's debatable. I'm not saying it is or isn't. I'm saying that the editor of I this think film said 70, it was better. No, I think... F I, well, you could argue film IMAX versus laser IMAX. But the, the way you should see this movie is in real IMAX. I agree with you in that, as we talked about off air, you and we I tried to see it together. And I'm uh, going to see it this weekend yeah, in we are. IMAX. But, but I don't think you I can claim that say, you saw it the proper way because... That's what I, the editor of the movie said. No. It was and not the proper way. It said, if you have a choice between IMAX laser and 70mm non-IMAX, 70mm non-IMAX is better. No, I disagree. I before you continue, it's Paris, not debatable. The editor yes, of the movie is. said oh it. Oh my god! Because no, I, need... I saw I saw Dunkirk in seventy millimeter non IMAX the first time I saw Dunkirk, and then I saw Dunkirk in real IMAX for my second viewing of Dunkirk. And if you're gonna ask me 
which one is the ideal viewing experience, it's real IMAX. It's not 70mm non-IMAX. No fucking way. Okay, this whole conversation is something I was going to bring up later in the discussion. This whole notion of, like, if you didn't see it in 70mm IMAX, you're doing a disturbance. <laughs> Get fucking real. I have seen Nolan's previous movies in I in real IMAX, in 70mm. It like yes for the spectacle sure it's cool but these fucking neck beards who are like oh well, you didn't see the movie as it was supposed to be seen like get fucked it does not make that much of a difference Matt, and i guarantee tr- i guarantee these people cannot actually tell the difference they're just hurting what fucking are people are you telling calling them. travis my neck beard yes absolutely <laughs> I saw this movie in plain old IMAX. Easy for Matt to say who lives up in Birch Bay and saw it in IMAX. Okay? Easy Fucking for Matt Limax. to say. Fucking Well, did you? Matt. Matt. Get Matt, real Matt. 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 You can't what? deny that real IMAX is Oh, my God. Fucking Yes, I can. It does Sick. not make that big of a difference. That's what I'm trying to say. Blowing out the sound. Oh like, That's all the, red. The bar decibels went red. Like, <laughs> chill out. All right, because we could spend an hour talking about real life. I haven't even got to talk about my initial thoughts. You oh guys. my god! I didn't know Travis took a gig with fucking big IMAX. All of a sudden, I didn't know he quit. I've been there. Just, I've been there. Just because we're done with Barbie doesn't mean. I don't get to talk. <laughs> yeah, we just steamrolled <laughs> Paris's intro to her review. Well, I you just... started it with, I saw it the way that. No, the... No. Oh, yeah, the that's cinematographer true. You did <laughs> the so, editor said, if yeah, you have to choose. Got the fucking note from the cinematographer myself. Not... Just the editor. But oh, I'm just saying, head. I just thought it was funny because you said it was the way it's supposed to be. So I was like, what a funny thing to say. I didn't think it would ruffle any feathers. <laughs> oh, it will. A, I, I didn't will. think it would ruffle any feathers to poke fun a little if bit. If you at that. don't see Nolan's movie, if you live in Washington State and you don't see it at the Pacific Science Center, you did Nolan wrong. Okay? That's all I'm saying. No, my God. Okay, I don't so care how people... far you had to drive, Travis, how Travis, much you had to plan that's for. That's the stupidest thing I've I don't ever heard care. you say. So no. many people. If no. you if you no. live in Seattle, no, maybe okay. Maybe I don't agree with it, but okay, at least that makes sense. Anywhere outside of Seattle, just go see it at your fucking local movie. It's an theater. event, so maybe dumb. it's an event. You drive three so hours you, for a concert. Why so would you drive three hours for Oppenheimer? Are you talking to Matt right now? I'm because dead. he didn't do that. The talking difference the world. is that Boy <laughs> Genius was only playing at the Gorge. Okay. I couldn't uh, go to Bellingham to see okay. fucking Boy Genius. Otherwise, Actually, I you know what? It's Real not quick, comparable. I will say, hey, out of all of Nolan's movies, this is probably the one you need to see in real IMAX the least. But if we're on the topic of real IMAX versus 70, whatever, blah, 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 blah. If you didn't see real IMAX in real IMAX, you didn't see it, okay? I don't care what you say. Can't real. The movie with the most IMAX footage to, in his whole fucking filmography is the yeah, one you didn't the need least, to see in No, IMAX. it's the least, like, spectacle. Get real, bud. Yeah, oh right. Did you even watch okay. the movie? You oh fucking fuck. <laughs> Did you see Dunker? <laughs> I am so sorry, Paris. Don't get me started. <laughs> well, we already did. 
All right, oh, yeah. let's, Paris did let's get simmer you down. Started. Simmer down. <laughs> All right, Paris, as you Paris, were saying. <laughs> you so I'm going to very tactfully transition out of this to say it's so interesting that for this movie, um, Nolan literally had Kodak create a 65 millimeter black and white IMAX film for the first time ever that was created for this movie. That's super cool. Huge. Anyway. Come um, worthy tidbit oh my god <laughs> great um i'm gonna get on my initial <laughs> reactions now um anyway any anyway uh <laughs> i'm so thrown off um i love this movie it is in my top third of nolan's filmography and he would definitely be in my mount rushmore of directors front and center um it's Not also just like half a face <laughs> no and he definitely wouldn't be the cat the, dog but he would be <laughs> yeah he would be very very upfront. he would be a star player on that uh big carved rock but anywho um it not to not to blow my load too early, but uh, this was so cream dream supreme for me that it's definitely in my top of the year as well. So, like the top or the top? I mean, right now we're six months out. No, we're four months out from the end of the year. Really, five. We're five months out from the end of the year. Uh, yeah, it's number one on my list. I guess maybe I okay to say numero uno mm -hmm. not to uh spill my beans too much but it would be number two okay that, i mean that makes sense not to spill I my think... beans but it's uh number seven right now for Jesus. Me. <laughs> right below megan Matt's right below movie. asteroid city <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> um anyway yeah i i thought that this movie really captured me i walked out of the theater not even realizing that a full three hours had passed. I sort of was in a daze when I walked out. And then I just did like all the research I've ever wanted to do. I just was so, so many moments from this film of which one of which specifically I'd like to, to talk about later. Um, really, really stuck with me for the days following watching it. I, it, it captured me in a way that something has it in a long time. I felt like cinema's back, baby. For now. <laughs> Until uh, we all thought it was going to be our boy Tom Cruise that was going to save cinema, but still, I still haven't seen a Tom Cruise is not record. my boy. Not for reference. Not my boy. Okay. So where, now that we've got general impressions out of the way, where, where do we want to start here? Um, cause it's three, it's a three hour movie. There's a lot to talk about. I don't know. Okay. Well, okay. Let me get this out of the way. So the scene that I alluded to that I think is the best scene in Nolan's whole filmography is the scene where Oppenheimer gives the speech in the gymnasium after the bombs have been dropped on Japan, where the sound drops out. 
and just the way that whole sequence is engineered with the sound design and the pulsating frame, the people screaming and cheering and vomiting and like making out and then crying, just like everything. And the skin peeling off of their faces. Oh my God. Uh, Incredible. Like I got the chills watching that scene. I was like, I needed three hours of that and not five minutes of it. Like, Here's the thing about this movie. There are specific sequences that I can't stop thinking about. The rest of the movie, it, I don't, I really don't care. Like, I f- thought the pacing of it was kind of off. I found it to be a way? little like, uninspired. Too, like, choppy or like didn't breathe enough for you? Just lost You're... interest. the The procedural aspect of it, like the Did biopic, you want more, less. I wanted there to be more like flourishes. For the most part, it plays out like a fairly standard biopic, regardless of like the the screen. Mm. Like you know, the Nolan loves his fucking gimmicky screenplay his tricks. Time and, devices, yeah, maybe. in this movie, <laughs> okay, it does nothing for me. I'm gonna the whole fission fusion right here. thing. Go for it. That is that is the dumbest thing. I, I earlier I said Travis said something dumb. I don't remember what it was, but Matt, this is your dumbest thing of the episode. To say that this is a standard biopic is actively insane. No, I, I say agree. there are elements of it that feel very standard biopic. It's hitting all of the notes no, with a no, standard no, biopic. No, absolutely, way. No. man. Big I just time. watched. We'll get to it in what we've been watching, but I watched 42 recently, the fucking Jackie Robinson story starring Chadwick Boseman. Now that is like fucking grade A generic biopic bullshit. Yeah. One thing about this biopic is that it doesn't start with his, it doesn't start with his childhood. It, it goes all the way till he's old, but barely there's like one scene. It really focuses like this is less of a biopic and more of like a section of time in his life. And everything is related to the bomb. It covers about 30 years of it covers like 50 years of his life. What are you talking about? That's just not true. The The beginning of the movie when he's in college. How is that not? He was supposed to be (laughs) like like, 18. And there's like a few scenes of him in college. There is one scene of him when he's old. Everything else is, and and again, it's not about him. It's it's how, it's even when he's young. It's it's him thinking about the atoms that exist in the atmosphere. And I wanted I to mean, say, it is you know kind how, of about him though. The movie is called Oppenheimer. Totally. I'm not saying it's not a biopic. I'm just saying it it is the opposite of a standard biopic where you go through the person's life and you're just yep and then they did that and then they did that i would agree it's way more cinematic and it focuses on a specific like time or thing in his life rather than like the like i mean sure there are some like wikipedia moments in this movie but i still wouldn't compare it to just like your standard biopic fare i mean the best part to me i don't necessarily think matt is saying that either but yeah, I think because of Nolan's gimmicky screenwriting tricks, it doesn't come across that way. But oh, we how have dare you? How dare assembling you? the team, going around the country and interviewing all these different oh, scientists. How dare you? Oh, man, we this, could do the same the thing team, about the Barbie the movie, town. though. We could literally do the same thing about the Barbie movie. I'm not. Well, listen, I I'm would not like saying. To say, 
well, that my favorite part of the movie is how it's framed, not around his life, but these two Senate hearings. The, or excuse me, these two hearings. One a Senate hearing, one a security clearance hearing. It juxtaposes those, and that's how the movie is framed, right? It is called Oppenheimer, part, and it yeah. is a biopic, but that is how the movie is framed, these two separate hearings. And I, I know, Matt, you said that the third act really, like, was boring for you, and you kind of lost interest, but, like, that's where, like, everything that had been happening, like, hit home, and the ramifications of, like, what had actually been done. Because in the beginning, you're excited. You're like, this is science, and this is happening, and this is so interesting. Science rules. Bill, 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 like that, that was perfect in there. And then you get to the third act where you're like, this is the horrific atrocity of what has happened and the negative impact personally on, on, on the people involved. I love that. Um, me too. Me too, Paris. Me too. <laughs> I so I that was one thing I will say I was worried about coming into this movie is what was Nolan going to attempt to make Oppenheimer some kind of martyr to try to paint him in a good light and I was pleasantly surprised that while I think the movie portrays him as a morally complicated individual ultimately I do think it comes out on the side of war criminal what he did was bad like i think if you watch this movie and you think that it has anything nice to say about oppenheimer you're fucking media illiterate honestly agreed like a lot of people have been trying to say like oh he he he's not harsh enough on oppenheimer it's like just because the movie doesn't come out and explicitly say like you're a war criminal like i think there's a lot of nuance to its portrayal of oppenheimer yeah but it's I, more than just like calling him a like a, a, a war. What, what did you say? War. A war criminal. <laughs> yeah, a war criminal. I I think it is a bit more like deeper than that, and a bit more complex. It is. No, that's what I'm saying. It is. But I think if you came out of this movie feeling like Oppenheimer's the good guy, or it's complicated, then you weren't paying attention. Yeah, I think the movie. It is complicated, though. I don't think it is. I think Nolan's stance. This is why, guy. I think by the end of the movie, if you think that Nolan's stance is that Oppenheimer is a morally complicated person, I think you weren't watching the same movie as me. I think emphatically by the end of the movie, he's saying this was a horrible travesty that occurred and all of like the whole point of the fission fusion objective versus subjective reality is it flips the script on what you think is a morally complicated character and paints him in a negative light. And by the end, it's emphatically like this was a major turning point in human history and there's no going back. It was. He is horrible. But but it wasn't a single act. And like part of it was it was taken from his hands and like if he didn't do it, someone else was going to do it. So there's that dilemma as well. Like you can't so- just easily say like, He's the bad guy. No one's explicit about it. Like, I don't think that's the way to read the movie. Well, you're, I mean, you're right that the movie goes out of its way to make a point of how once it gets hand, into the hands of the U.S. government, like, it's kind of 
out of his but control. But that's not even the end of the day. Point. That's not even it. Like that's not even movie. That's like history. Right. I right. think the at the end of the day, the antagonist in the film is the U.S. government, as it should yes. be. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. they're the ones that dropped the bomb. Maybe I was misinterpreting Matt, but it made Matt made it sound like it was like Oppenheimer's clearly the bad guy here. Yeah. I'm not I'm not not saying No, that. he's not I think... though. He's not. <laughs> he's part of the problem, sure, but like you can't just be like this guy was the reason that this happened. But he is the reason that it no, happened. No, because if he didn't do it, someone else was going to do it. And just because he built it doesn't mean that he's the one who actually pushed the button or directed that it be dropped or, you know, like But I, that's beyond I, the movie. That's literally like fucking history. No, no I agree that's... with both of you. In that he knowingly and willingly created a weapon, the scale of which had not been seen before, which he knowingly, just because it was going to be dropped on Germany, doesn't change the fact that he knowingly knew, knowingly knew, uh, 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 <laughs> he knew it was going to be dropped on innocent civilians. Did like, he know that, that for sure, though? Yes. yes. He, he designed that bomb with the intention of it being dropped to, to murder... 40,000 German people, of which some of which would be civilians. It was used differently than he would have intended. And then after, I think he regretted a lot of that and had conflicting feelings about a lot of that. So I agree with both of you in that yeah, I think no, that I he mean, is I not a with, good with what guy. you just said, but like, you still can't deny that if he didn't do it, who would have done it first, and where would we be as a result of that? You're right that someone else would have been, quote, the father of the atomic bomb. I also think that... We don't know saying, how it would have been used, though. This is all hypothetical. I mean, it's not. It was dropped How is it not? Twice. If another like, country got... If another country were to create the bomb before we did. oh you mean another country i'm i yeah. thought you meant like another american person no i just mean like if if we slash america slash oppenheimer didn't do it first and someone else in the world did we don't know what history would look like or you know like what the ramifications of that would have been we can only really speak on what actually did happen well right. except that the germans by the time the war ended the Germans weren't even close to it, so it it didn't. We're like matter. steps away from AI, like controlling everything. So, like, if you really want to like break it down, it doesn't matter when it happened. It was gonna happen eventually, and you know, here we are with the fallout of that actually happening, and that's our history. But like, if somewhere like just to like, oh, he did it first, so he's the villain. Like, I think that's a little too simplistic, and. Maybe you're I not saying that. I don't think that's that what either like Matt or I are saying. I think that he chose like yeah, to he's part of the problem, but I don't think he's like the poster child villain of of all of this. Again, I think the villain is the U.S. government. Period. I think they the movie is very be. clear about that. Yeah, yes. I think the movie is on the very. Same page there, Travis. I, I think the movie is very very clear about that. I think that that's why I love the way it's framed around the, going back to like. I'm not saying Oppenheimer's of, a great guy. I'm just saying that it's a little bit more complex than just being like, yeah, he's the problem. Like, 
Well, no. Okay, so let me. He may have. He may have set off the chain reaction, <laughs> but I don't think he's like the sole problem here. He's not. That, that's not. That's not what we're trying to say. I think that. Okay, so the bomb would have been built by mm-hmm. America, regardless of what Oppenheimer if he was involved or not. I think the movie goes out of its way explicitly to show every step of the way. It's not really Oppenheimer's mind that is causing any of these scientific advancements. He's basically just a manager. Like, I think the movie is explicitly showing that like the ideas came from other people, the pro like the progress that was made in the math and the science came from other people he for the most part was just kind of the face of the manhattan project and he was the leader and he ended up getting the quote-unquote credit he ended up being the one who got the fucking medal years later and the movie is and the time cover and all that the cover of time magazine and the movie goes out of its way to say remember when they give you a medal years from now it's not for you it's for them like i think he the way that Nolan goes about like dismantling the myth of the atomic bomb and basically showing the U S government for what it was power hungry, like uh, imperialist pieces of shit that dropped a bomb on a country that but that's was not already history, weeks like, away from that's not new information. Like it's not, it is a new mean, information. I think the movie's going out of its way to show that, Everything surrounding the development of this weapon was immoral and that it is trying to show some moral complexity of like, you know, the small man, the man behind the scenes who maybe understood the implications, but it wasn't until he saw the consequences of his actions that understood. But it all it it also goes out of its way. Just real. Sorry, Paris, real quick. The movie goes out of its way with the objective reality, the black and white stuff to make a point using Robert Downey Jr.'s character, the the guy's running for, I can't remember his position or whatever, but he goes out of his way. He has the, a speech the president's where he's cabinet. like, yeah, he's like, don't be, don't be fooled by what Oppenheimer's doing here. He knew what he was doing. This is just a PR spin for him. He's trying to reframe his image. You know what I mean? Like, I think the movie is explicit in show, trying to make a point that he's not well, a, a man who is to be like, worship i mean he did it for like the clout slash science of it all but like he was also remorseful of you know his role in all of this i think it does a really good job though of, of showing that like at every point he had the opportunity to pull out like he didn't have to be that at any point he wanted to be that yeah. And even when he is in the room, when they're deciding, yeah, you live what long cities... enough to see yourself become the villain. I mean, this is Nolan. Well, I think it. I think actually, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, 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 Softy's character as Teller does it really well, where he says, "You know, I don't even know how to read you. You're always so cryptic. You you're so stoic. Like no one knows what you actually think." And I think that is the sign of a good politician. Someone who is, he he was able to do the thing despite his actual feelings on it, 
but but I like how the movie shows us that he. You're talking had... about Oppenheimer, though. Oppenheimer's not a politician. He I mean, is. He, he is a politician, though. And he was on the 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 U.S.'s Atomic Energy Council. Like he he becomes through the movie. You see him go from scientist to politician. And I think that the movie does a really good job of like showing us that this is a conflicted man. This is neither. This is a man that's neither good nor bad. This is a conflicted man. However, he also, and the reason he's neither good nor bad is like he had so many opportunities to speak up to say something, and then finally, but what was he years say? later after the bombs? No, hold on a second. Years after the bomb is dropped, he he finally gets an audience with President Truman, and all he says is like, "I feel bad." Help me not feel bad. And President Truman, who is portrayed brilliantly as a fucking asshole, is like, look at this fucking pussy. He feels bad for the the war crimes he committed. I don't feel bad. I committed war crimes. And I love that, which apparently that dialogue from that wasn't said directly in Oppenheimer's earshot, but was something that President Truman actually said to Oppen about Oppenheimer later. He was like, fuck this Pussy ass bitch. For... Wait, he said, get this crybaby out of my office, I think. Yes, he literally <laughs> later called him a... Cr like, in real life, he called him a crybaby because of Oppenheimer's, like, change of stance. But I think that's that's uh, that's one of the things the movie really excels at is showing, like, the duality of man in that he's not all good or all bad. He is human. Yeah, I don't think anyone is arguing one way or the other. I don't. I don't know where we got off track there but it just sounded like matt was saying that he's the clear villain and i would disagree with that no not the clear villain i think if i don't think there's any what, confusion like as to like... no, no 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 <laughs> i don't think there's any confusion as to nolan's perspective on oppenheimer's role in history i think by the end of the movie it's obvious that Nolan views him as a bit of a coward and uh, ultimately too like well, blinded by his own hubris but to it's, understand. It's also easy to say did. that like a hundred years later, like, like two, no, three no, no. thousand years later, even. No, I'm just saying it's, it's easy to like Sorry, speak on joke. Oppenheimer's actions, you know, today versus then like it's much easier to do that now than it would be back then i know hey, that's fun fact what... fun fact did you guys know that uh, and i'm, I'm not Senate... necessarily defending no, Oppenheimer I, either. I, I, just... I don't want to talk about this anymore <laughs> did you guys know that uh both the senate hearings and security clearance hearings uh were done directly from the transcript isn't that interesting well, that was Nolan's whole screenplay gimmick for this project was that the all of the black and white stuff is the Sydney the, Sweeney the joint from earlier this year did it first. No one cares. The Sydney Sweeney. <laughs> Sorry, no I one. don't even know what you're talking about. Re oh, you're talking about that one at HBO. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that is what it's called. So huh? I, I maybe I'm dumb, but it, I didn't realize until I looked it up that the black and white was supposed to be. That the color is supposed to be Oppenheimer's perspective, and the black and white is supposed to be objective history. Yeah. History. Yes, and not only that, the screenplay, all of the color scenes are written in the first person. 
So literally from like Oppenheimer's perspective. Yeah, I heard about black that. And That's white crazy. Is, I love yeah. that. I love it's that. Cool. That's so neat. It's, it's cool. So neat. But again, it brings me back to like my perspective on the film being that outside of those moments of brilliance where he chooses to like do something interesting and take a stance. Like, so for example, the, uh, the scene where Florence, Florence Pugh's character, uh, you know, quote unquote, commits suicide. That is from the subjective perspective. So it's color. And Oppenheimer has a, a vision basically of black her being hand. drowned, the black glove hands. So you can read that as either his hands, because we've seen him wearing gloves like that in the movie, or it could just be a, repre- a stand in for the US government assassinating a, you know, a connection I think it was to communism. Supposed to be government. I think that's my perspective too. A lot of people are like, oh, but his hat, you see his hat. I'm like, yeah, there's no fucking hats. I've like, never, no, there is I, a hat. I think. In the reflection, there's a hat. Every motherfucker think, in this movie is wearing a hat. Oh, like, I'm just saying, okay, there's a hat. Here's the thing. <laughs> Maybe it's not that if, hat, but there I is know, a I hat. <laughs> I mean, I think that if it was, I think it could be interpreted a lot of different ways. It's just like a split second. I think it could be a bit of his, his feeling of guilt, a feeling of like, I left her there and didn't give her what I promised her. And therefore she was in a vulnerable space and she killed herself. And also I think it could be the, you know, that she was a communist in a time that it was very, a communist attached to a person high up in the Manhattan project at a time where that was very dangerous to be a communist. And maybe she was murdered by the U S government. I think, sorry, I got the, Hiccups a little bit. Um, I think it's meant to be left up to viewers' interpretation. Well, I think it, it's intentional that you can view it either as him killing her or the government. I think the point is that he feels responsible for her death, right? Guilt, a hundred percent. At any, at any rate, right? Because you know there was a note. It wasn't signed. There were sleeping, you know, she took sleeping pills, but there was other stuff in her body. Like the implication is that there's some funny business going on. Um, I think my issue with the Florence Pugh character and with the Emily Blunt character is that they're just so fucking cartoony and thinly written. Like the fact that Emily Blunt's character basically does not appear unless she's drunk like she's just like a crazy alcoholic who's a you know doesn't know how to be a mother and she just can't can't get off the sauce it's, and just like it's i close, love that so, it's not that it's not as bad as you're making it sound it's and pretty like, bad dude. there are I examples of that in movies that are you know pretty cringe or on the nose but and this is maybe a version of that but it's it's a lesser version for sure there, there's agree. more going on than know. just being I like a know. stereotypical, like, you know. So I, I agree that I think that they're a little thinly written and that they don't have a ton to do aside from their relation to the male protagonist. I will definitely agree with you on that. I strongly disagree that Emily Blunt is written cartoonishly or stereotypically. I think she does an amazing job with a role in which the person that she's portraying was an alcoholic. So, and I love how they portrayed her as like not wanting to be a mother. She accidentally got pregnant to a guy she was essentially having an affair with. 
that they were having affairs with each other. They accidentally had a kid. So, like, of course, and, and she never wanted to be a housewife. She was a biologist and wanted to do that. And, like, she resents that she still has to do that, you know, even though that's not how Oppenheimer originally saw her. Like, I felt like the complexity of her character there was there. And, and throughout the movie, she serves as his strongest supporter and also the voice of reason despite her you know seeming to be chaotic and out of sorts i loved all of that i will agree that she is thinly written as is florence Pugh, but i but but cartoonish no way hard disagree she is never almost exclusively never not drunk when they're showing her like you can show someone who struggled with alcoholism and not have a fucking bottle of like a flask falling out of her purse in a scene where she's giving testimony to the u.s government Paris, like, you should have backed that, that is cartoony to if me if you would have just stood strong matt wouldn't be barking right now no. <laughs> <laughs> I get where you're coming from. No, I get where you're coming from. But like the fact that she literally has that scene where the fucking flask falls out of her purse when she's like, yeah, it is that a little that's obvious? Cartoony yes. to me. There are a couple very obvious Matt, moments Matt, in this Matt, movie. Matt, 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 that is not for the audience. It's for the 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 lawyer at the Senate hearing to see that she is an alcoholic, and therefore he presses her really, really hard. I think that that was necessary for that. Was it a little obvious? Sure. Hey, but that's, that's a, not for the audience. It's for the, valid rebuttal the guy doing the hearing. That. It's a valid rebuttal. Thank you, Travis. No, because you're actually <laughs> mis- you're misremembering the scene you're thinking of actually happens way before the scene that you're talking about where she has that, her standout scene. Uh, right. No, I know it's chronologically you, out of order. No, 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 know, no, no, no. But... It does happen way before, but it's not for the audience. We already know that she is a drinker from many other things throughout the movie. It, it's it's you're misremembering the head, the asshole lawyer that's doing the fucking hearing looks down, sees it, sort of goes, hmm. And then later she has the great speech, but that's why she was called up at all. And that's why he goes so hard on her later on. It's setting up for that scene. To say that that's not for the audience and is exclusively for like, I I understand where you're coming from, but that doesn't change the fact that the two, the two women in this movie have like, okay, so Florence Pugh is an even worse example because from the like within minutes of meeting her she's just like a fucking suicidal depressed communist and she's like oh why why are you calling me for I don't want your flowers oh but I'm never not you know I'm never not going to answer okay well just stop bringing me flowers like just the way that her whole character is portrayed it just feels very she's underwritten me. She's underwritten, but can we talk about her, the sex scenes for a second? Because, okay, that was when earlier when I said there's a specific (laughs) sequence that I couldn't stop thinking about all weekend after that. That was the sequence, you guys. Which one? The first one or the second one? Uh, both, but mostly the first one. I just, not to be gross, but Florence Pugh is such a beautiful, beautiful woman. And I could mm-hmm. not stop thinking about her that whole weekend. Same girl. After same. that. Yeah, you're not being gross. 
<laughs> well, well, I, I mean, let, let me put this differently. I am being very tactful in what I'm saying, but my thoughts, gross. It's come town up here, baby. My thoughts, hubba hubba. <laughs> and my thoughts, I was like, honka honka, am I right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like, cartoon usually, cat, if I've ever seen one. <laughs> we usually save this space for me on the show, but I'll let you have the floor. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, my thoughts during that scene was, I'm no better than a man. <laughs> yeah. Th- then you get into, like, creepy uncle territory, and then, you know, it's just... Well, now, that's why okay. I said I don't mean to be gross, but Florence Pugh, very beautiful. Yeah. I mean, okay, so how do we feel about the working in of the the quote, the I am death, I am become death, destroy the world? That was the only part I hated in this whole fucking movie. That was oh, so fucking so stupid. Dumb. No, 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 no. During no, the sex scene? No, come no, on. no, no, no. That's like American. She literally, she literally stopped fucking him to get up, turn around, go look at a bookshelf she wasn't facing at all. Go grab, oh, what happens to be a random fucking book out of it. And then makes him say that to her while they're fucking. That is the the least realistic. No, that was the stupidest. No, no, that was the stupidest, stupidest part in the whole fucking movie. If, if he had said after, like if they had had sex and they've been doing their little post-sex snuggling and she goes, Oh, what's that book on your nightstand? And he goes, Oh, I'm trying to read Sanskrit, but I'm not very good at it. And then he read it. While heavy-handed, I thought that would have been perfect. Fine. No, it was cheesy and it was stupid and it was the only part in this near-perfect movie. It was the only part in this movie where I was like, that was fucking stupid and I laughed. I thought it was kind of badass. (laughs) No, hated it. You were distracted by the titties. Come on. Be fucking for real right now, Travis. Oh, yeah. Pew is doing things. I did like the second the second sex scene was a lot more effective for me because it served a an emotional that was purpose. Great. Oh, Matt, come on. In the room, in the room with No, I agree. I agree. I agree. It was no, no, no. it was so good. It was so good because it felt like like they're airing her dirty laundry and even though she knew about it, it was like it was happening all over again. Like mm-hmm. I loved that. That was so good. Yes. It was intense too can't wait to see it again okay so we're going a little long here we should talk about uh the trinity scene uh like the, the test the bomb test um How so got the politics and the politicking and the politicking out of the way now we exactly. can talk about uh <laughs> now we can talk about the bomb stuff um i i'm not gonna lie i was a little underwhelmed by that scene i feel like yes yes me too nolan i feel like would argue it's not the climax of the movie but it's kind of the climax of the movie um it's the biggest moment for sure it it was incredibly well choreographed i think what he did to express the scope of it with like the delay in the sound hitting the different Mm -hmm. like sectors because they're all different like distances from the explosion site that was awesome like that was great but like the the stuff with benny softy with like the the sunscreen whatever that that stuff stuff. was on his face is it it rubbed in or whatever it's (laughs) like all over his fucking face just like 
I, I don't that was want funny. Mo- I don't just get that. This is one of the most serious things that's ever happened. Like this is like the culmination. Yeah, but you need a like, little relief. Come on. I don't man. want relief. I got my relief from the sex scene. All right. Oh I was good God. after that. All right. I didn't need to see like my I didn't need to hear jokes. Wet. <laughs> I didn't need to hear jokes. All right. And I don't know. Like, is it impressive what he was able to accomplish? Yes. Do I wish right. that they would have like shown a you know a CG nuke? Like I don't I don't in know a what I would have wanted. But. It was cool, I guess, but like you can't really match the like thought of a nuke without a little CG, you know. So that was the otherwise, only thing where I otherwise I agree. you're hurting people, <laughs> and, and that's why I I, I I totally agree with y'all. I think it's really cool that the whole movie didn't have any CGI. However, yeah. that was the one scene it, that it's I a cool thought. Moment. But maybe and maybe it didn't even need CGI. You could have show, showed like old film of a mushroom cloud. Yeah. Would that have been as effective? Uh, I don't know. But like it, it, it was a little lackluster because I think we have seen so many, you know, clips of the filming of a huge mushroom cloud from an atom testing. Like it, that was the only part where I was a little like let down, but Talk about, we have barely touched on the sound design of this film. Holy shit. The Holy sound design in this is 10 out of 10. Like, wow, wow, wow. Yes. Sounded great. The score, too. Is the score is awesome always going, too. Which yeah, is definitely. a really good score. There were no, you know, there were no drums used in the score because they didn't want it to sound too low. They wanted it to be a more like frenetic and frantic. It was a little reminiscent of Interstellar, if I were to like think of or compare it to a superior Nolan, Nolan film. movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, just which is interesting yeah. because <laughs> it wasn't Hans Zimmer <laughs> on. It wasn't Hans Zimmer this time. They couldn't get him because yeah. he was working on something else. So it was the same guy. I forget his name, but it's Nolan, the one that did Nolan's Tenet, got, and that's uh, Childish Gambino's. Uh, Producer. Yeah, he did Black Panther and Mandalorian, Ludwig Goranson. Yeah, this guy rules. Yeah, he's it was oh yeah he fucking put amazing. One other thing that we haven't talked about yet that I did want to mention is I really really enjoyed, especially towards the beginning. It had a lot of like the abstract cut-ins that sort of sort of like different representations of like stuff at the atomic level or explosions or all kinds of stuff those like cut-ins in certain scenes especially in the beginning it reminded me of uh the universe sequence in tree of life and uh the moving paintings sequence in um punch drunk love and i i really really enjoyed that i liked that from a film perspective Mm -hmm. that stuff is really cool um I also I love 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 the last like couple minutes of the movie. I think it's the perfect oh, yeah. like punctuation mark on the movie, like framing Robert Downey Jr.'s character as like being so obsessed with what was said in that conversation and like building this whole like smear campaign against Oppenheimer based on his perceived slight in that moment only for it to be a conversation that had nothing to do with him at all. Like didn't even think of him. Like that's part of the reason why I feel like you can't really leave 
this movie feeling like it's not ultimately critical of Oppenheimer's role in the whole process. Like the fact that the movie, the final line of dialogue being, not saying he did I believe that we did. Play a role in the bomb. <laughs> it's. Did he play an integral integral role? Yes. I'm saying the movie holds Oppenheimer accountable. Open, like ultimately. That Definitely. is the movie stance. It's holding him account. It's not letting him off the hook. Sure. The fucking, like the the American propaganda version of this movie would have been, uh, it's complicated, but he's still a hero for what he did for this country. I and do furthermore, not the, the U.S. government is the real hero. <laughs> that would have been <laughs> yeah, the propaganda exactly. version. <laughs> we did what we had to do. And I think this movie is explicitly saying we did not have to do that. Or not we. Well, I no mean, one's British, he but. loved saying, now I become death, the, de- the destroyer of worlds. So. Only because that quote is so iconically tied. Uh, I think he, honestly, he reframes. I think he does a good job I love saying that. that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, sh- I texted you guys this, but I really want that barbie font shirt that says now i'm become death destroyer of worlds like that's so good i kind of want like now i am become barbie destroyer of worlds but we'll see yeah it's a sweet shirt you but you also i mean you gotta feel a little weird having a shirt that's like a reference to you know a guy who's at least partially responsible for the death of hundreds of thousands of people (laughs) (laughs) which were goaded so here's here's the thing you'd think i might i don't i don't have any i don't have any problems with buying a fun shirt that the perspective of the memes that matt sent us earlier today were was amazing so funny so for the listeners um matt sent us memes that was like barbenheimer but um instead of (laughs) instead of oppenheimer it uh had osama bin laden (laughs) and then like instead of and then it's like this barbie Barbie. (laughs) like this this barbie is the moment and instead of like Instead of like one of the characters from the Barbie movie, it's the Twin Towers. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's severely <laughs> misunderstood how funny uh, our generation and younger nine eleven so, uh, content is. So funny. <laughs> you can't help but laugh. Put those on the Patreon. <laughs> I'll, I'll make yeah. that the fucking uh, 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 image for the episode episode. so for only 99 dollars a month you too can subscribe to the patreon where you can get sent images from our group chat which include uh the shirt i talked about earlier and these two memes that matt sent yes you too can pay 99 dollars for two memes i found off twitter make sure we have no no cred going towards those images (laughs) we do not endorse or condone said images of the twin towers these may or may not uh agree with what we think but aren't they fucking hilarious (laughs) i do have to say though kind of unrelated i think i've talked to you about this travis but my favorite meme of all time is uh sean michaels giving sweet chin music to the twin towers that's my favorite meme <laughs> of all time i have no idea what I'm, you're talking about this is new to me <laughs> oh my it, it was probably tyler then it, i knew it was at least one of you um sean michaels neither uh, of oh. is a famous wrestler uh and his signature move is sweet chin music where he uh 
basically <laughs> kicks a person in the chin and knocks them out. So it's that. It's him doing his signature move on the Twin Towers to knock them down. <laughs> basically, my favorite genre of memes is like Twin Towers related. Like, you know, super Albert Pujols. Super dark Pujols, and super like, ridiculous. Albert Pujols like smashing the Twin Towers with a baseball bat. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you say Albert Pujols? Yes. His name is Pujols. Not spelled Pujols. like... Uh, <laughs> Like you would hope, but P-U-J-O-L-S. Man, I feel really bad for that man. One of the, well, don't. He's one of the greatest uh, baseball players of all time. So don't feel too bad for him. I feel bad for, I thought you were going to say he's like a terrible person. He's like, but like, just because he's a celebrity doesn't mean I don't still feel bad that, you know. he's great. His last name is Pujols. The guy played for 20 years. He's a Hall of Famer. Don't feel bad for him. Um. Okay. Oppenheimer. We should wrap things up. What else? I mean, it's a three-hour movie. A lot to talk about, but... We have been talking on this podcast for almost three hours, I so a, I think we're good. I have a couple of bullet points we I could just blow through. Blow them. Blow them, brother. Uh, Paris, you might have brought this up already, but the, uh, the whole like ripple imagery, chain reaction, through line throughout the whole movie is great love that love the uh flashes of the uh particles like any anything that is spectacled non talky talky courtroom related all that was great even though yeah, it so five was... percent of the total runtime yeah i agree yeah it was the awesome but yep. <laughs> I agree. that was the best a part small portion of it. yep yep you're you're almost there uh, we touched on this a bit, but the the fission versus fusion, uh, like storytelling device, I thought was pretty cool and could. Wait, so which like, is which? I think fusion is the black and white. Because fusion is regular. Like, why is Objective. one fission and one fusion? Uh, I think the color stuff is subjective and therefore it's fission because it's like the breaking of the truth or. Okay. This is where I tell you guys, I don't actually know what those words mean. <laughs> Does that sound right? Which one is fission? I don't know what fission and fusion actually mean. Well, fish, like fission is the splitting of atoms. Fusion yes. is, I think it's Benny Softy's character that's talking about like bombarding the atoms to create so much energy that it causes an explosion. So fusion is like the atoms just like bashing each other. I'm not a scientist. I'm not the one to, to act like I know <laughs> about nuclear uh, theory and physics, but... I think I couldn't tell you which is which it happens very quickly and I didn't give much thought to like ultimately I think it's a pretty superficial like whatever the explanation is like oh this is named this because of this I don't really think that's just a clever screenwriting mechanic like ultimately as long as we understand the purpose that they serve that's the important part. Oh, 100%. There's intention to everything that Nolan does. I think that's part of the reason why I like... Oh, yeah. I feel like 
not to beat a dead horse, but like my favorite Nolan movie is I would argue also one of his messiest movies, and that's Interstellar. And it's because that's where it actually shows that like Nolan has like a his heart. messiest movie is Tenet. Yeah, I, I thought you were gonna say Tenet. <laughs> no, Tenet is a vibes movie through and through, dude. That move, Tenet fucking rules. I was. I know you like Tenet, but it is by no, far. I love Tenet. It is categorically <laughs> his messiest movie. Like, come the fuck on. Well, prestige is pretty fucking stupid, if you ask me. But it's not a, messy. It's a conversation. Though. It's pretty messy. That's that twist is dumb as oh, shit. But, you know, I love a different prestige. podcast. That's, that that's and, different and furthermore, podcast. how dare you? <laughs> that's a different. Podcast. All right, to all the listeners, check out my list on Letterboxd, in which I rank all the Christopher Nolan movies, and maybe Travis and Matt will when we're done talking. But mine will be we're the best one. So. Rank. Check me out. Uh, four of the top f- of the top four of twelve. Hey, me too. See, that's about where I would rank it. Oh, see, Matt, you're much higher than you are portraying. Well, no, I'm yeah. not. A, I'm not a Christopher Nolan. I mean, I'm looking yeah, at the I twelve. Know, but wait, what are your other top three? Then that still sounds high for you. Nah, dog. Based on what you're saying, I've got it right here. You want to hear it? Yes, that's why I asked. Is this how we conclude the uh, the review? Is we a definitive th- ranking from all three of us? Sure. All right. My definitive Christopher Nolan ranking. Interstellar, Memento, Tenet, Oppenheimer, The Dark Knight, Inception, The Dark Knight Rises, You're Batman crazy. Begins, Dunkirk, Insomnia, The Prestige, <laughs> and Following. Prestige is your number eleven. Yeah, Prestige wow, sucks. Prestige. <gasps> I am personally offended. Okay, you discard the Dark Knight like it's just a fart in the wind, and you're way too low on Dunkirk. Fart in the wind? That's number five. I okay, legitimately Travis, love. All yeah, but six, you're just letting all six. these new movies just dunk on the Dark Knight like it's nothing. Uh, you know, if it weren't for Heath Ledger, we wouldn't be talking about The Dark Knight, all right? But no, there's more. Yeah, let's be that, honest. Right? The Dark Knight it's, is good, but that's Heath Ledger's movie. Come on, come on. It is. Come on. His movie. Come on. But there's more to it than that. Come right? on. Have a nice trip. See you next fall. Get fucked, bud. You kidding me? Travis, uh, give your ranking. Uh, well, I need to slot. Hasn't thought you know, about it. I he hasn't decided. I'm above Dark Knight. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> bud. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> now that I think about it. Do you want me to go first so you can oh, take man. a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. like Travis. So, uh, number one, Interstellar. Number two, The Prestige. Number three, Inception. Number four, Oppenheimer. Number five, guess what? It's The Dark Knight. <laughs> Uh, number six, Memento. Seven is Dark Knight Rises. Eight, Batman Begins. Nine, Dunkirk. Ten, Tenet. Eleven, Following. Twelve, Insomnia. Very close to mine, except Memento is way too low as well as Tenet. But I think you and I have like Tenet and the Prestige switch, like flipped basically. Yeah. yeah, and then and then Memento is is sort of out of order. Man, but I never get. I, I never haven't get seen Memento in a Memento. long time, and I liked it, but I didn't love it. Oh, 
I've seen Memento. I should say like I should say times. I did love it, and it, it's what it was my first Christopher Nolan movie I ever saw. But like, I love Christopher Nolan. He is one of my top directors, so that's like one of my top movies. But like, you know, not top of it. Yeah, in that context, that makes sense. Christopher Nolan's never been like my guy. You know, honestly, I don't think he is a bad movie except for Tenet. Well, following and the Prestige or. So following okay. is only low because I don't remember if I've seen it or not. Following and insomnia. I don't know if I've seen those. If I have, I don't remember them. So that's why they're on the bottom because they're essentially don't count for me. Mm. All right, Travis, have you had time to consider? Okay. So this is more of a favorite over best scenario. Yeah, as it should be. Uh, number one, Dunkirk, of course. Number two, Interstellar. Number three, Dark Knight. Number four, Oppenheimer, number five, Inception, six, Memento, seven, Prestige, eight, Batman Begins, nine, Tenet, ten, Dark Knight Rises, eleven, Insomnia, twelve, Following. But no, he has not made a bad movie. Okay, pretty similar, yeah. His movies range from four to five for me. Um, pretty, yeah, for four average track record for yeah boy. Oh, All definitely. of his movies are four or higher for me, except for Tenet, which is a three and a half. And upon rewatch, I don't know if that would go up or down, but I think having some distance from it, three years Stop distance, in fact, I come on, we've seen I some really movies didn't you've like given it. a five to. You gotta get tented up. Okay, but that's the thing is I'm trying to be harsher and more accurate in my film ratings. And honestly, when I go back to review films is usually when I lower them. Because usually I walk out of the movie or finish it and I go, wow, I have very strong feelings about that. Let me rate this right now. And then like a month later, I'm like, what the fuck? That movie sucked. Down rate. So So, so you you took out your... uh your frustration on Barbie. Barbie was a victim of your new approach to uh, movie reviewing. Mm, I would say no. I'm just trying to be more accurate. And I actually think that originally I had rated Barbie much lower. So if you want to go down that road, you're losing points there. I appreciate that Paris. I appreciate it. So keep up the good work. (laughs) Yeah. I'm trying to fall back in love with cinema because as we decided that this year is the year that I stop liking movies so here here's my last point i'm gonna get on my soapbox one last time on this review i am becoming very annoyed with these nolan film bros who were like oh you you gotta see this movie like four or five times to like truly get (laughs) what it's going for i feel like if you watched oppenheimer and you didn't get it you need to go back to fucking fifth grade. Like, damn, it's. I, I would I'm agree not, with that. I love. I love Christopher Nolan. I think he is one of the greatest working directors. I love what he does, but to act like his movies are deep, I think is hold just on, insane to me. hold on, hold on. Th- those are two different. You're things. not giving him enough credit, Matt. Yeah, I, 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 I like where say, you were going. I, I, I agreed point. with you at the beginning. I, you had me in the first half, but to, <laughs> this mo- his movies are deep. Is one thing. 
to to say that you need to see this more than once to understand it is stupid. And if you're, you're just if not you see this level, and you don't bro. understand it, you're an idiot. However, I will be seeing this a second time because I really enjoyed it and I want to get more out of it. And she sure. will be seeing it in IMAX. Yes. But what you get, more. okay? So let me let me. So so clarify. I would I would agree and disagree with what you said. <laughs> what you get out of repeat viewings from Christopher Nolan movies are a greater appreciation for his filmmaking. I don't get deeper meaning out of I strongly disagree. I, I, I would say specifically I'm thinking of Inception and Interstellar that are highly rewatchable. Highly yeah, rewatchable. Agreed. Do, do you get deeper meaning out of rewatching them? Yes. You f- you Are you smarter than a fifth grader? <laughs> but yes, I just Matt. can you elaborate? I mean, it's 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 almost not fair of me to to, to even mention Interstellar because that is one of my top five movies of all time. Like I get so much depth out of each different watch of it. Like I have to watch it like at least once a year. I watch it a lot of times, like not like like not sober like i i don't know I, I i find that every new watch of it i find something new and the meaning i get out of it gets deeper like like i go from like oh this is kind of corny you know the oh the meaning of life is love to like what is the fifth dimension to be like are we our own higher power like like i i get more meaning out of it every time i watch that film like yes. that that is a no-brainer for me uh, okay yeah yeah I, I agree with you. What I would say is that the movie is not changing. Your relationship to it is changing. And that's you, true for everything. Yeah, movies. Matt, you're so stupid. You're so stupid. No, 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 no. Movies don't change. Movies don't change just because you watch them. It's not like, oh, I, the third time I watched it, it was the director's cut. Like, what are you talking about? No, I'm dying. You know that's not what I meant. Get out of here. I, I know. I, I truly do think that's what you meant. Like, no, what that, are you talking about? I, I kind of get what you were going for, but I'm 110% with You are it. not finding... No, no, no. You're Holy not finding shit. deeper... You're not finding deeper meaning out of it. Movies literally do not change once they're made, unless there's a new cut. (laughs) I'm crying. (laughs) Oh my god! You guys done yet? Or no? Oh man, no. I mean, Matt, again, I get what you were saying, but what you said <laughs> did not make sense. Listen, I understand that the movie itself is the same as it has ever been, obviously. <laughs> what I'm saying is that there's no deeper meaning that you're deriving from the movie. You are just at a different place in life and different things hit differently okay but so that doesn't what make would you say deeper. okay 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 so what would you yeah. say is a movie that you've rewatched that had a deeper meaning upon the fourth fifth sixth watch synecdoche new york oh my God. Boo. 
is the the most Matt thing I've ever heard. That's it. It's you know, it's, oh. it's my favorite movie for a reason. <laughs> but that's the thing. That's what I'm saying is like just the same way that that's your favorite movie, so you get more meaning out of it. Interstellar is one of my favorite movies, so I get more meaning out of it. I don't understand what we're. I don't. Well, I, I honestly, the thing is, I don't really know what you're saying. Like, what do you mean? I don't get it either. No, about <laughs> what is changing about. Clearly. Interstellar. Oh my god, I love Interstellar. It's my favorite Christopher Nolan movie, right? Yeah. But it's a story I just about love Travis being like. I don't know. <laughs> All right, listen. I already dug myself into too deep of a hole to get oh, out of man. after that fucking cacophony of laughter at my expense. But I think you understand what I'm getting at. Um. Yes and no. Interstellar is not a deep movie. It's an emotional movie. To act like there's some like new meaning that you get out of rewatches is But you can't say that about someone else. You can say that for yourself maybe, but like you can't just like say that as a blanket statement like I know, but I'm a- I was asking for an example and to me it just sounds like different moments resonate with you emotionally, but that doesn't make And the I movie... asked you for an example and all you told me was but connect to Geek New York. About... You didn't tell me what about it. Yeah, do you want me depth. to? Because you won't go to bed tonight if you want me to talk about fucking Synecdoche, New York. I don't how... want you to give us a fucking essay. I'm just saying, like, you asked me what makes it more deep for me. I listed off some examples. I don't really know what we're even talking well, about anymore. That's why I can't stop laughing, because I don't know what we're talking about. Maybe it's because I haven't seen them in a while, but I feel like watching a lot of his movies, I would get deeper meaning from them. Like Interstellar, Memento, Prestige, Tenet, Insomnia. Some of those I haven't seen in years, but I feel like if I watched them, I would get more out of them. Like, isn't that always what get more out of a movie means? Like, you get deeper meaning. It's typically why you rewatch something. Or more emotional connection, or you find new things that you enjoy about it. Like, I don't really. I, I truly have lost the plot and don't know what we're talking about anymore i'm talking that about was, a that's movie. half this episode <laughs> <laughs> listen you can't tell me that there's not a movie that you've seen where the first time you watched it you didn't know what the fuck it was talking about and then you watch it again and it connects with you and you understand because the movie is operating on a level that is maybe maybe it's obtuse maybe it's complicated but Something unlocks on a rewatch. Christopher Nolan movies, at least, okay, I understand that this is subjective, but nothing unlocks for me intellectually. You understand, you understood Inception 100% perfectly on your first watch? Yes. That's what I'm saying. I didn't. I mean, maybe that makes me sound dumb. Tenet, Matt. Well, Tenet yes. didn't make any fucking sense. Like, I'm sorry. No, Tenet, Tenet does make sense. It's just but a that's what I'm saying. Movie. That's what I'm saying. It's not about you. It's it's subjective. Ben Oppenheimer it, is It's color film. <laughs> it's subjective. Like, I don't know what we're talking about. I'm talking about ah! Nolan film bros who act like this movie is so deep that they have to watch it three, no, four, five times just to I, understand what it's about. No, that's what I was saying. Like, you don't... Matt, if if, if anyone like needs a... more than watch 
watch to understand what this is about, they're stupid. Yes. But to say, but yeah. to say that this movie is not deep is just I strongly I think disagree this movie with that. Does require more than one viewing to get more or the most out of it or all of it or whatever. But to say you need to watch it four or five times to get it is a bit hyperbolic. Yes. Yes. Wow, feels like we could have had this conversation like 10 minutes ago, but. <laughs> I get what you're saying, Matt, but don't act like you have Oppenheimer. I think the difference like the back is of your that hand after one viewing. Travis and I are a little bit of Nolan film bros, and I'm trying to find my peace with that no i i'm just i'm just not as smart as matt apparently i mean no, who, okay who could be as smart as matt like come on here That's okay true. so here one last thing here's <laughs> the, the rewatchability thing i do not feel an urge to rewatch this movie anytime soon part of it's the length but i just interest like most of Nolan's movies for me have a rewatchability factor. This one, it's not there for me. I feel like Agreed. I got pretty but part much of everything that, is the that subject I needed matter. to out of it. It's not fun necessarily. It's and, not just I mean, that. Though. I disagree slightly in that Travis and I are both literally going to see it a second time. Yeah, I'm really week. excited to watch it again, but I can't say I'm like going to put this one in my rotation of a movie I watch like every couple years but i don't even i don't even watch dunkirk every couple years i haven't watched it since the theater i think only time will tell with that kind of thing for me but i think in the fact that i want to i'm super excited to go see it again for me especially nolan, in imax like that nolan is, is an event it. nolan should be seen on the biggest screen possible and if you're not watching it that way then should you really be watching it we've come full circle back to the beginning Exactly. <laughs> IMAX 70 millimeter or go fuck yourself. If you're not watching it in 70 millimeter IMAX on real true IMAX, then you haven't seen it. So yeah, two thirds of this podcast. Actually, right. actually, three thirds of this podcast haven't seen it. So we don't know what we're talking about. Don't listen to us. Join the Patreon for $99 a month to hear us talk about other things we don't know what we're talking about. Yes, fund our trip to Vancouver where we can see it in true 70 millimeter IMAX. That's the closest place. Did you guys know that? Vancouver is the closest place. Canada? To I did. Yeah, yes, I looked it up. Canada. Matt, that's uh, like next door for you. Yeah, what are you but doing? Because I told you, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it does, though. It doesn't. All right, y'all, settle down. This is the subjective part. I think we need to go. I think this is it. We've been now officially talking We're to each other. We're not doing what, what we've been watching. <laughs> no. No, absolutely not. We, we've now been talking <laughs> to each other for over three hours. Like, we need to go. <laughs> yeah. This was the promise, though. I mean, this is the kind of conversation that Barbenheimer has been uh, stimulating in the masses. You know what I mean? These conversations are happening but all across the world, guys. Across we do the need world. to touch on one more aspect of Oppenheimer before we move on. But you guys don't have to like, do we? dwell on it. Yeah, because we didn't really touch on Careful it. Careful with your words, bud. I, I'm a dweller, all right? Well, so choose your next is. words carefully that's true. Uh... it's up to you matt if you want to dwell or not matt is nothing if not a dweller <laughs> i'll phrase it like this how do we feel about the like horrific nightmarish imagery 
on screen where it's like in his head. We love it. Yeah, it's great. Okay. I liked it too. I think Matt said one of his favorite scenes was the one in the gym in which people are literally like showing what the physical effects of like an atomic bomb would be. But I'm and people about are the, throwing uh, up and all kinds the of The part stuff. where he like steps into like an ashed body or like the uh the scene of the girl with her skin peeling off. Mm-hmm. Did you guys Love know that. that that was uh, Nolan's daughter? Huge oh, was I it? did. Yeah. I yeah, cuz it was supposed to represent like the horrific of the thought of that happening to someone close to you. What a and cool so little Easter was, egg like, though. A real yeah. life Easter egg. Not some yeah. Marvel bullshit Easter egg. A fucking real life Easter egg. <laughs> what a hero. That's his daughter. I know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't fucking know about that. Coppola did it first, bud. Get out of here. All right. Man. Oh, my God. Do you think All Nolan's daughter is going to be a director, too? Oh, my like God. Sophia, Sophia Nolan? It's going to be huge. <laughs> She's going to do Catwoman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um. Okay. Do we want to give star ratings? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. All right. Wow, we haven't given star ratings yet. Holy shit! No. All right. After all of that, I'm giving Oppenheimer four point five out of five. Wow, Matt! All nice. that to give it a four point five. Listen, nice. you guys made me play my cards. All right. I love the movie. I was trying to be positive, and then you guys made me play the contrarian you didn't make me do anything i love being the contrarian yeah i was gonna say that's literally your job you were the oppenheimer of this episode yes that was me (laughs) the opposition oppenheimer (laughs) oh and Uh, forever and always fuck jason clark or isaac or whatever the fuck what's his name clark jason Jason clark fuck that guy who is that the the lawyer in the uh uh, Senate hearing, no, not right, the but hearing, like the, fuck the actor when, or yes. when I heard he was in the movie, I was like, it doesn't matter what kind of performance he gives, this is going to be a mark for Matt. <laughs> Matt's going to hate it. <laughs> Wait, why? I just don't like that. Just, I just think he's a bad Matt, actor. Matt doesn't like him. He's anytime he shows up in a movie, I'm like, get the fuck out of my face, bro. I hate that. He guy. is like the same guy every time. Which is a little annoying, and he's yeah. always kind honestly of a, a his character. his like most known for movies are all pretty like just looking at the titles pretty bad like White House Down come on he sucks Classic. ass hate that guy <laughs> uh, okay back to star ratings yep five for me dog hmm and it is. A five for me. Wow. Who would have thought a hundred minutes of content out of a movie we all ultimately loved? (laughs) So much disagreement, but (laughs) only a half star. (laughs) One thing thing that we didn't mention since I brought up how much Barbie grossed, um, uh, Oppenheimer has grossed 400 million worldwide with 174 domestically which is close to half of what barbie's done which is pretty impressive considering uh oppenheimer's a long the lack movie, of marketing so. and well, it and that it's three and, and that it's a three hour historical biopic yeah oppenheimer's also number 67 of the uh letterbox top 250 
which is uh, wow. one hype train I will get on. Let me guess, though. You want to know one movie that's probably higher than that? Let's hear it. Everything, everywhere, all at once. No, it's not. <laughs> what? Yep, it's what happened? Maybe. Oh, my God. Let's what a go. travesty. But don't worry. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is in the top ten. Oh, whew. all right. Hell yeah, it is. All right, as soon as we stop recording, I'm making about 10,000 burner accounts to boost that uh, everything everyone wants uh, rating. <laughs> um, <laughs> this will not fun, stand. Fun thing. Uh, I was in Texas pretty recently, and I, so I was visiting my dad, and he was like, hey, have you heard of that, uh, that animated Spider-Man movie? I heard it's like one of the best movies <laughs> of all time. And I was like, yeah, it's yeah, really dad. good. And he yeah, was like, it is dad. Yeah. And, and I, I know. And he was like, but you know, it's, it's animated, right? And I was like, yeah, it's really cool. I actually, you should watch it. And he was like, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. My dad does not sound like that. I don't know why I made him sound like really, really insane. Was like but... Forrest Gump adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like a regular human man, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Paris. He is from Texas, but he's not from Alabama, and he is not Forrest Gump. So you're telling my it's a cartoon, <laughs> it's animated, but that's the sentiment. So I wanted to get that across. <laughs> that's awesome. He doesn't listen, so he'll never hear this. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Sick. All right. So Matt, well, we did Ast- it. Asteroid City is a better movie than Oppenheimer. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Listen, one wait, made me cry. Wait, wait, one made me wait. cry. And you cried other. at Asteroid City, you fucking pussy ass yeah. bitch. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Damn. Listen, you're you're talking you, cried down you your pat. thighs or out of your mouth? Both. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> you saw that movie, right? You talking to me? Oh yeah, yeah you must talking have, to you. I did the review. Okay, I, that's what I just said. I, I was like, oh yeah, you must have because you're doing a review. Okay, <laughs> settle down. I'm tired. We've been drinking. It's fucking late here. I need to go to bed. Um, yes, I saw it, and it is since Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer is currently my top. It is obviously lower than that, but it's Number two. also in my top of the year. Sick. All right. Well, just give us some time. It'll creep up there. You'll just think about uh, you'll think about that scene in the alley with uh, James. It doesn't Schwartz need to creep up. Uh, I just said that it's top of the year. It'll creep. Yeah, it'll creep top. though. We don't it'll know creep. What that means. Top top. Okay, tippy, it's in my tippy top. Right now, it's in my top five of the year. Right. Okay. When we do but, the best of, it's yeah, we'll be we'll fucking see. We'll see. You're gonna go There's, to bed tonight, and I haven't watched that many movies yet this year. I've only watched twenty three. 2023 releases yeah i need to get on that i'm trying to do a cram jam like now so i don't have to cram at the end of the year like normal but it is hard <laughs> well heads up paris ennis men and uh how to blow up a pipeline are both coming to hulu uh this month so i'm excited to catch up with i don't know Those what ennis are... men is uh 70s style weird horror movie I think sick is how I describe it. I haven't seen it yet, but trailer makes it look dope. So, um, all right. We ready to get out of here guys. Truly. Okay. 
Um, one last thing I'll say, RIP Paul Rubens. I watched uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure last night in his honor. And that's a very funny movie. He was a very funny man. So, RIP Paul Rubens. Yeah, RIP in peace, Pee-wee. All right, let's get out of here, guys. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back uh, in a couple weeks, in a week, <coughs> two weeks, three weeks. I don't know. We got to check the calendar, see what's coming up. We're approaching the season, though. Tons of movies are going to start coming out uh, very shortly. Perhaps Unless we can get together for Talk to Me. Delayed. Right. There could be some delays because of the strikes going on. Dune yeah. Part 2 could be affected. But we gotta get back on, on. we got to get back on a schedule. Also, uh, uh, maybe we should say. Summer, summer Slashers. Yeah. It's now yeah, August and we haven't, uh, <laughs> haven't started yet. <laughs> so <laughs> they, They've been recorded. They just haven't been posted. <laughs> We've seen them all. Eight, eight films in the tank. We're just. We know, watched all of them. Don't worry about it. Depriving you guys of content because we like to tease. Oh, yeah. Also, you know? I would like to say as the non-host of Cinephiles Digest, uh, this podcast supports the Writers and Actors Guild strikes. Yay. Yes. Unions. We support 100%. Teamsters. Fuck scabs. Scabs get fucked. And, uh, Solidarity. Yeah, 100%. We support the cast of Oppenheimer walking out of the premiere because that's when the Screen Actors Guild strike started. Hell yeah. That was rad. Um, <laughs> another thing, we need to do a uh, draft soon. Yes, we should probably. Those are my favorite episodes. <laughs> they are the most fun. We should try to do one before uh, the onslaught of movies, especially if more delays happen. They're just going to cram them all into the last like six weeks of the year. So let's get ahead while the getting's good. Bring it on. All right. Stay tuned for the fucking uh, Haunted Mansion uh, featured review Boo. sponsored by Disney next episode. You know when's a great time to have a Haunted Mansion movie? In the summer said no one ever i don't know what the fuck they were thinking but anyway that's disney's problem people got paid though people did get paid (laughs) (laughs) all right let's get out of here guys thank you everybody for listening stay tuned we'll be back soon bye Bye. 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 Bye.